folks, and welcome yet again to another episode of Trey Bond. It's nice to have you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Jake Spear. Joined with me, as always, I have the mm, dangerously... Uh, uh, dastardly Derby uh, deck. Yeah, I'll oh. take it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's darker today. He's it's darker a bit, today. Yeah, it's a bit. No, mean. embrace it. Embrace it. And our uh, MI6 expert in the field, Brennan McClelland. Reporting for duty. Oh, as always. Husky. Folks, it's yes, lovely to husky. it's lovely to have you here with us. <laughs> Welcome. Um, we hope your your day, your week, your month, as always, is Trey Bond. Um I've got a question for you, Jensen. I'd be mm. interested in hearing about the folks at home's answer to this as well. Just something on the fly. What would be your favourite Bond activity? Oh, favourite Bond activity. That is a good... I would say drinking a Vespa martini. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. I would say uh, uh, w- watching and discussing uh, James Bond movies. Oh. You, th- you think Bond does that? Uh, In podcast form? Oh, you mean what? I mean, would, what's, what your bo- what, what's a Bond activity that Bond does that uh, you would also like to do? Yeah, I don't think he'd have access to the films. You never know. Um, I really enjoy brutally dispatching uh, enemies of the state. <laughs> Actually. I was going to say brutally yeah. dispatching enemies of the state. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. in as cold a manner as I possibly can, and mm. always having a one-liner. A quip. Uh, a quip, if a you A quip would. of some kind. Yeah. And it should have layers... I want to have the ability, develop the ability while under intense situations uh, to come up with a, a quip that has more than one layer. I think that's a difficult thing to master because yeah. you'd be so like adrenaline kind of yeah. fuel, like, but you can yeah, still... Take that! But imagine being able to think of a quip. It'd be great. It'd be great. Well, well, I mean, I do it all the time, but yeah. Yeah. It is great. Right. Well, I wanted a serious answer, but obviously no, uh, well, you guys aren't... Uh, uh, golf? <laughs> golf? Golf is a big one for me. I enjoy uh, brooding, brooding, driving, driving cars, driving cars, and brooding. It's a big bond activity that he does, isn't it? What would yours be? Well, I think I think golf's up there for me. Mm. Definitely. I think I think a bond activity I'd like to try is probably scuba diving. Oh yes, I'd like to learn how to scuba. Playing, that would stress me out. I don't know. Playing cards, actually. Yeah, good card night. Oh, good game of cards. I, I do like a I good love game a of good cards. game of poker. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. Would you jump out of a plane? Never. Really? Uh, I like my feet on the ground. Yeah. Right. It, mm. it, I've had people mm. try and get me to do that for the last ten years, and uh, we're still working on it. Does yeah, James have, Bond ever drive a Formula One car? He no, oh, maybe in mm. one of the continuation novels. Actually, okay. I'd like to I do that. I feel like Young Bond is in like a F one like feeder thing, like yeah, okay. not a cart, but mm. like a something like that. Mm. Mm. Fascinating. Mm. Let us know your favourite Bond activity you like to do. Yeah, please oh. do. While we're all self isolating, torture yes. from this. Yeah. Tor- torture's fun. Is it? Is it perpetrating? Torture? Oh, I get you. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. I I don't do it myself, but mm. who are you, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. McClelland? What's our mission today? Oh, our mission today is 1997's Tomorrow Never Dies. Ooh, it's a it's a big one. It's a big one in the Bond canon. It's been staring at us from afar. Yeah. since we began this looming. journey, looming, looming. Mm. Pierce Brosnan just kind of looming in the distance. And I feel like mm. it's one of the Bond films that like no one really names like if you were to say Tomorrow Never Dies name a Bond film they oh. don't go oh Tomorrow Never Dies that's that's a big one <clears throat> they'll say Goldeneye 
Goldfinger, yeah, sure. Spy Who Loved Me. Mm. Um, some people would even say Octopussy. Yeah, memorable but, title. But, but this is not one that jumps out to the general public. Strangely forgettable. Here's my yeah. thing with the Pierce Brosnan films. Here we go. All right. <laughs> are they James Bond films? And I'm serious. Oh, yes. Are they? I think they are. You think they are? Yeah, Golden Eye certainly is. Golden Eye certainly is. Yeah, I think it is. Okay. I think I think that they suffer from a little bit of overstuffing. Uh, right. And and you may find that on this. My, we shouldn't get into predictions yet before mm. we do um, Jake's favorite uh, subject. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to say now mm. that this episode is going to be the one where I think we have. The most disparate of opinion. Or disparate. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Did I use that word that's right? An yeah. Yeah. Word. Yeah. 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 It was just your look, Jake, of you just kind of pulled back when I said it that I went, maybe I haven't said that word. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that word before, so I think I'll do a little I, I know personal the word, fact check. I know the word as disparate. Um, um, right. But, but I don't know which one is more correct. Well, let us know in the, uh, let us know in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bit of a. Because is it a disparate disparity 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 no disparity. Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, either way, I believe that this one. There's a disparity will, in, will, a, in our yeah, opinion. Yeah, uh, or is it a disparity? Yeah, it could be a disparate. <laughs> Sorry, I apologise. My goodness. Well, I'm very excited for this. Yeah. Yes, we're finally getting back to Brosnan. Yeah, you love you Brosnan. Love Brosnan. Look, Brosnan. I want him to inexplicably so. Well, because you've only seen two. Yeah, and one of one them's, them's been bad. the worst one of the. I know, but series. he's a big part of my life. He's a big part of my childhood, and mm. I'm still holding a, a, a big old flame for Brosie. You are a big yeah. flame for oh, Brosie. Yeah. I'll keep the home fires burning for him. <laughs> you know, I want to see redemption, and I think I'm going to see it in this. Yeah, well, you very well could. Yeah. You very well could. Mm. I'm yeah. Well, we shouldn't get into preconceived notions. No, we Someone has a story to tell us. Yeah. Well, funny you say that. Mm. Here's one for you. Ooh. Ooh. The air was sterile and cold uh, as hospital. Bond hospital. walked through the long corridors hospital. of of the... Roxbury's giant jungle oh, facility. We get to get more Roxbury. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he had seen. Nothing. Do you remember the voice? Maybe. <laughs> He had seen nothing quite like it before. Huge glass windows revealed glimpses of endless experiments, teams of researchers and suited scientists, giant mechanical equipment and entire rooms filled with strange lights and liquids. Of course, this wasn't an unsupervised excursion. Bond was under the watchful eye of Bjorn. Oh, and the strict direction of the very severe but very striking Sophia. Oh. Mr. Roxbury believes it is his duty to give back to the world, after such success in business, that it is the responsibility of those more fortunate to advance human civilization as much as possible, given the limited time we are all afforded. Very Fleming. Mm. In his eyes, time, and our lack of it, is the ultimate enemy. Sophia explains in a very academic and somewhat rehearsed manner. And what exactly does Mr. Roxbury plan to do with his limited time? Bond prods as the three make their way to a large viewing window at the end of the corridor. You have a curious mind, Mr. Bond. However, I am not sure you understand the profundity of the answer of that question. 
<laughs> Perhaps we can enlighten you during your stay here. I apologise, Mr. Pond. I just had a minute straight. <laughs> I wanted to say... I wanted to write profundity and sound quite profound. <laughs> profound. Profound. <laughs> Can't pronounce it. Sophia's coldly ambiguous tone triggers a strange sense of uneasiness in Bond. Hang on. Just... I don't want to criticise your writing... But if it's ambiguous, can it also be cold? It's coldly ambiguous. All right. Oh, cold, yeah. Yeah. I think that works, doesn't it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ambiguous. Was it cold? Was it warm? Lukewarm? Don't know. It's ambiguous. <laughs> oh, God. Nonetheless, Bond feels uneasy as he looks out over the giant floor of activity below them. Huge vats of translucent green fluid fill the huge open space. As he looks closer, he can see that floating within each container is a human figure. Ooh, we got clones. Hundreds more scientists monitor and manoeuvre around these strange human-filled chambers. Love it. His focus is broken momentarily when suddenly a naked man appears darting through the vats, screaming with terror. (gasps) He's been born. He is being chased by a platoon of well-dressed guards. The fear in this disorientated man is enough to unsettle the coldest of men. And yet both Bjorn and Sophia look down on this strange scene with utter indifference. The naked man is quickly subdued by the guards and dragged, screaming into a side room and disappears. Is this how uh, Bjorn was... Uh, uh, Perhaps. Bjorn? Oh, who knows? Perhaps. <laughs> Is the tour making you uncomfortable, Mr. Bond? Quizzes Sophia. Before Bond can respond... Oh, hang on. Can, can, uh, can Roxbury say that? What's his name? No, no, Roxbury's not there. He's oh, not, he's not there. He's Where not is he? He's, he's not, not here yet. What's he gone? He's a, well, he's, well, we they, they got off the plane and he's, he's off doing his own stuff. Oh, Brand I had Roxbury in the back of the scene. Brand no, 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 it's, it's no. Bjorn and Sophia. Sophia's like his... Um, handler. Yeah, yeah, she's like the... Well, I would say she's the brains of the handler. Is, is, uh, what's his name? Bjorn. No, the your character. Bond. The, that you play. Oh, uh, Edward Roxbury. Edward Roxbury. Um... <laughs> uh, He's off in the shower. Is he doing a costume change? Is it, perhaps. Right. No, <laughs> I just wanted to plant that seed. Okay, all yeah, right, yeah. all right, great, great. <laughs> Before Bond can respond to this maddening occurrence, Roxbury, dressed in pale trousers and fitted oh, oh, black collar... He's had a costume change! He's had a costume change! ...appears Has behind Bond? them. Bond is still in the stuff from when he got knocked out at the airport. At the airport, yes, oh, yeah. yes, he's still in. He's still in the, the khaki trousers yeah, and perfect. the. Uh, and it's like Goldfinger is in that three-piece suit for the, oh, bloody, yeah, yeah. the whole second half of that movie. Well, well, is it a yes? Says Roxbury cheerfully. <laughs> a yes to what? Queries Bond. Mister Roxbury has heard that you are quite the keen golfer, Mister Bond. <gasps> Would that be an accurate assumption? Inquires Sophia. There's only two things in life one can enjoy, even if you're no good. Golf is one of them, jests Bond. Ooh. And the other, Sophia asks. Hopefully we can find that out later tonight. Bond punctuates with a cheeky smirk as he makes his way towards Roxbury. Oh dear. (laughs) Fabulous! You're going to love it, James! (laughs) I can't wait for you to check it out! 
It's fact check. Hey, well done. Oh, it's getting, oh, it's getting interesting. interesting. What do we call it again? What's the name of this series? Uh, oh gosh, it was something very the, the ties that the ties, the ties that bind. bind. But then, but then, <laughs> yeah, the ties. I did bind. have an idea of calling it Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, folks, let's go all the way back in our minds to one of the greatest Bond films ever made. Yes. The Spy Who Loved Me. Top tier Bond. Top tier Bond. Top tier Bond. What was the name of the stuntman who did the famous ski jump in the pre-title sequence? Willie Loman from Death of a Salesman. (laughs) (laughs) What's his name? Philip Lombard. Philip Lombard. (laughs) Jake Lombard. What was his name? Jake Lombard. Willie Boggs is the photographer. Willie, Willie Boggs. Boggs. No, no, DeLuca. Excuse me. <laughs> DeLuca was the cameraman. Are you talking about the extreme action cameraman? The aerial cameraman. No, no, no. no. The, the, the ski, the ski cameraman. Oh, oh, oh yes, Willie Boggs. Right. Yes, yes. Oh. Willie Boggs is the skip me. Yes. <laughs> oh, Question the field agent. The field agent. My God, <laughs> MI six ever. Coronary. Uh, no, it's it's not Willie Boggs. Uh, it's not I Willie Loman. Don't address that um, to me. It's Rick Silver. What a name. I was going to say Rick Silver. Rick Silver. He's still alive. He's 77 years old. He's 77. Oh. Rick is an expert climber and stuntman. (laughs) During the early 1970s, Rick Silver skied off the top of El Capitan in Yosemite National Park. Oh, I've got that wallpaper. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He skied off that. Wow. He descended over 900 metres by parachute. Wow. He also went on to appear in another Bond film, For Your Eyes Only, where he performed the stunt of Bond falling off the side of a mountain in Greece. Oh. Oh, my God. Really? I he does that? I can't wait to see this. Oh, my God. So that that's, is that's Rick Silver. my favourite stunt in the franchise. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. It man. sounds amazing. What film it's, was it? Sorry? It's For Your Eyes Only. For Your Eyes Only. For Your Eyes Only. Uh, look, it's one of my favourite films, but... That that scene is is my personal favourite. Really, damn yeah. jump. Yeah. Oh it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Stunt. Yes, yes. Ooh. Because it's just perfect storytelling as well. Oh, the way that that is put mm. together, I've never felt more tense. You're speaking my language. Oh yes. Mm. Oh God. Wait for your eyes only. What song beat "Nobody Does It Better" at the Oscars for best original song? Oh, it would have been. They did do it uh, better, apparently. 1977s. Uh, don't look back in anger. Uh, no. Wanna you, be. You said, Brandon. <laughs> wanna be. <laughs> you said, Brandon, that it was a My Heart Will Go On type song. Yeah, it was it, a soppy romance. It's one. a song that you've heard, you said, like, mm. love will keep us together or something. It's a lovey-dovey song. Yeah. You might as well call it Boogie Woogie Bojangles. See you yes. in the fact check. <laughs> yes. Yes. yes, that's yes. exactly right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I stand by it. I actually thought that it was going to be something from um, A Star Is Born. Uh, with <coughs> Starring Explain Lady yourself. Gaga. With um, oh, Bar- yeah. Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson. Oh, Chris Christoph. Uh, that won the Oscar the year before. Ah. A song called Evergreen. Right. Performed by Barbara. Were you going to say that, or did you see that it won the no. before, and you were like, "Oh, I was going to." say When that. I was doing the fact check, <laughs> I had the thought, 77, That sounds a lot like it could be a Star Is Born." Oh. And then I looked, and 
No, it was, it it was, was the, the year before. ceremony held in '77, honouring the year of '76. Yes, that's it's very you, confusing. Yeah. Very confusing. Yeah. Uh, but the winner for best original song, Boogie Woogie Bajangles, <laughs> <laughs> was "You Light Up My Life" from the yeah, film it's like, "You Light Up My Life." Yeah. Oh. Yes. Music and lyrics by Joseph Brooks. It's a schmaltzy kind of like. You light up my life. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's The other nominees. pretty groovy. Ugh. Maybe. No, yeah. The other nominees, of course, mm. were. Of course. Nobody, Nobody does it better. better. Should have won. Should have, I think. Mm. Candle on the Water from uh, Pete's Dragon. Sounds dramatic. Pete's Dragon. Pete's Dragon. Mm. Someone Waiting for You from The Rescuers. Someone waiting for you. And finally, everyone's favourite, the Slipper and the Rose Waltz from the Slipper and the Rose, the Story of Cinderella. <laughs> oh boy! Don't know Is that, that live action? That's, yeah. I think so. Who's yeah, okay? Best original song's not a great category. If you and Far Between, the real gem. Yes, they really are. Uh, Brandon, you said that Barbara Bach was married, or even still is married, to Ringo Starr. I stand by it. You should, because that is correct. She well is still married to Ringo Starr. How Her does she do first it? marriage, <laughs> however, was to a fellow by the name of Count Augusto Gregorini. Wow. An Italian businessman. Count Augusto. Had, Count Augusto. They had what two children together, yeah. and then they divorced in 1975. Oh. Yeah. Brandon. She moved on to a pretty notable... Uh, how, did, like, how do you follow up... Count Augusto. Yeah. Ringo Ringo Star. <laughs> I wrote Octopus's Garden. <laughs> oh, God. Brandon, you wondered if the bar where Max Calder is killed by Jaws in the uh, phone booth... Was it Pinewood? ...is a real place. Yeah. Darby was bold enough to say, ah, it would be Pinewood. Mm, I should by it. Yeah. <laughs> the Moyaba Club in Cairo, where the club's owner, Max Calvert, is killed by Jaws, is a set. Yay! It's Pinewood! Well done. According to huntingbond.com, some blogs suggest that this location is actually the Mena House Hotel near the Gaza Pyramids. Giza Pyramids, sorry. Uh, but the... <laughs> geography's not so good. Easy. Uh, but the Mena, the Mena House Hotel management confirmed to huntingbond.com that no filming had taken place there during the 1970s. Ah, very good. Well done. Two questions here, yeah. all wrapped into one. One very confusing multi-question. Do we ever go to London? A Rain Man special. <laughs> Do we ever go to London? Darby said no. Then Darby asked, hang on, where is M when we first meet him? Brandon said, M is in Egypt. I said, no, M is on a boat. Brandon corrected me and said, no, no, that's General Hargreaves and the Defence Minister. Uh, you, you did so, I apologise. It's Admiral Hargreaves. Don't be spurred, Oh, yeah. goodness me. Scorn. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that scene in London? Then I said, no, that scene is on a ship. <laughs> you hanging in there? Yes. Still, you oh, got I'm it? Not. You've lost me. <laughs> <laughs> we want to know if, did we go to London... And where do we first meet M? Yeah, yeah, sure. Technically, I was right. Bond is briefed about the submarines at the Faslin Naval Base, mm. which is actually the Royal Navy headquarters in Scotland. That's not London. It's not London. Mm. We don't go to London at all. Wow. But uh, we do go to Scotland. We do go to Scotland. Now, that Navy base is uh, 
no, hang on, as I should say, I apologise, it is commonplace with all Navy shore stations that the base is officially designated a ship. In this case, it's called HMS Neptune. So, technically, it is a ship. Yeah, there you are. But that's not where we meet M. That is not where we meet M. Where do we meet M? We meet M in Egypt in the joint MI6 KGB headquarters at the Great Temple of Ramesses II. Yeah, the big, the the big Ken Adam the headquarters. Tomb. Mm. Mm. Tomb. 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 Yes. Brandon, um, mm-hmm. firing on all cylinders as always, yes. you said Harry Saltzman sold his share of the Bond films for roughly $20 million. £20 million, pounds, I think I might have said. Mm, perhaps. Perhaps. I don't um, know why he would sell it in dollars when he lived in the UK. Mm. Brandon, you also said that Harry sold his share over to the studio, not to Cubby. Yeah, United Artists, right? Well, that's a mean thing to do. Yeah, well, they had bad blood. They had really bad blood. That's crazy, isn't it? Um, Was I wrong? Brandon, you are correct. You are our MI6 expert in the field. He's proven it. Uh, Time and time again. So, here's the thing. In 1962, Cubby and Saltzman created Eon Productions, right? Yes. And Eon's parent company, Danjack, the oh, amalgamation of which their, is oh, their, their wives' names, names Dana right? and Jackie, which which that company held the copyright and trademarks of all James Bond sort of on screen. Cut to nineteen seventy four, the LA Times are reporting that Saltzman is attempting to sell his fifty percent share of the Bond franchise to Paramount. A year after that, in nineteen seventy five, Saltzman changed things. sells <laughs> his fifty yeah. percent stake in Danjack to United Artists Corporation yeah. for twenty million pounds, which equates to a hundred and forty four and a half million pounds today. Wow. Most of which he had to do to pay off debts. Ugh. Mm. He had the banks chasing him. Twenty million. He took a lot of money out. And and then his wife. Um, got very Passed sick. Passed away from cancer. Oh, from cancer. And mm. he lost everything. Uh, it's a oh, very geez. sad story. There's an amazingly um, beautiful but still very sad story of... Um, I, you know what? It might be Octopussy. I think it might be the premiere of Octopussy or maybe the premiere of For Your Eyes Only. But um, Cubby invited Saltzman to it and Harry was very much like, I don't know if I should do this. This They're going to laugh at me. They're going to blah, blah, blah. And apparently... They saw each other in the in the the foyer at the premiere, and they just had a moment where they they just smiled at each other and they laughed and then they just gave each other a big hug. Oh wow! Yeah, it's just a beautiful story. Mm. Um, but apparently, Cubby was 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 like that with a lot of people. Right, business is business. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we're we're just a, another side tangent. We're about to watch the first ever. Um, Barbara. A broccoli Bond that had... Uh, first ever Bond film, sorry, that didn't have Albert R. Broccoli as a producer. Yeah, right. Wow. Um, and it's dedicated to his memory. But um, just a couple, like a year or two before this, um, when they found out that he was quite sick and that he wasn't going to uh, live on, uh, Sean Connery, who had been feuding with Saltzman and Broccoli since he left in 71, mm. uh, hadn't spoken to Broccoli in all that time. So from 71 to like 95, 96, hadn't spoken to them. God, that's a long time. And he heard that Broccoli was very, very ill, bumped into Barbara Broccoli in a restaurant and said, I'd like to talk to him. And so she called him up and they spoke on the phone. 
and uh, the last thing they said to each other was I love you I love oh. you too oh wow so at least they got to patch that up yeah. before before oh, passing yeah. mm. I don't believe that Saltzman and Connery ever patched things up though mm. Mm. God. happened too quickly he did, yeah, yeah. But Saltzman got into a lot of debt because he was um, he was trying to start all these side businesses and stuff. He had like a few that. films that didn't do, yeah, didn't do very and well. And he, he was just trying to. He didn't just want to be the producer of James uh, Bond, yeah, of mm. James Bond, and of just films. He got into real estate. He got into these weird sure. businesses that had nothing to do with the film industry. That he didn't have any idea. You know, he'd never worked in those industries. Mm. Mm. And so inevitably they all fell through. One it's of the very, films very that he tragic. produced as well was a film called Tomorrow, which is one of Olivia Newton-John's very early films. Too. Really? It ended in a lot of legal trouble as well. Oh, it seemed to be, didn't do well at the box office. <clears throat> legal around. Yeah. It's, yeah, well, and it's because of that sale to United Artists, because United Artists, as we know, ended up kind of falling apart and got bought up by MGM and a whole heap of other, you know, was kind of split around. It's because of that 50% sale... Um, had he just given it to Albert R. Broccoli, mm. there wouldn't have been a delay after Dalton, mm. and we would have Let's had go all the way straight in. We would have had a third Dalton film, um, you know. But there, there's it's because now they are so beholden to the studios with the rights that these delays happen because um, James Bond's a pretty good bargaining ticket when you want to get bigger money on a on a buyout or a yeah. A right. deal. Mm. Mm. So there you go. Brandon, you started this grand statement off by saying, (laughs) no one has verified this as far as you're aware, but the story goes that they had no idea how to light the big battle scene in the Mm -hmm. Laparis. I remember this. Because it was so massive. And apparently, Mr. Stanley Kubrick was on set. The boss. Helping with the lighting of that sequence. Yes. I I stand... Oh yeah, stand by, the I stand by it. I came. I came across two versions of this story, oh. and there's one I'm more likely to believe than the other. Right, you'll find out. According to midnightpulp.com, yeah. is this a conspiracy <laughs> website? They mentioned that on the DVD featurette of the Spy Who Loved Me, Kubrick snuck onto the set early in the morning to secretly assist cinematographer Claude Renoir in lighting the massive container ship set. Renoir uh, himself being a master of his craft but old in age had begun to lose his eyesight. When he first saw the huge evil lair he realised he actually couldn't see all the way across the room. Renoir had worked with Kubrick before in the past who was known as an expert lighting. I thought it was Ken Adams. So Lord gave um, Claude, sorry not Lord, Claude gave Kubrick a call and asked for advice. Right. I call BS on that. I think this is what happened. Right. Another account says that it was production designer Ken Adam. Yeah, that's what I know. Who that's what you said. Who called this who called up his old boss, Stanley Kubrick, who he worked with on mm, Strange, Strange Love. And they had a bad time together. Oh, it was, it was, it was bad. Yeah. It was, was it? really bad. Yeah. yeah. This article is fantastic. I mean, it's Kubrick. No one He's has very a No one gets on. No one has yeah, a yeah, yeah. story mm. about it. Mean, Ken said that he had a mental breakdown. Oh, my yes, gosh. Working yeah. on, on Strange I believe Love. it. Most people didn't work with him more than once. Mm. Mm. So Ken called up for advice on how to light the inside of this enormous tanker ship. Kubrick snuck in on a Sunday morning for four hours to set the lighting up himself. 
four hours. In a quote from Ken himself from a 2013 article on BBC.com. What? Quoted, Ken Adam. I called Stanley up and asked him down to Pinewood to give me ideas. At first he said I was out of my mind, (laughs) but eventually he agreed to come on a Sunday when only security was around. He spent three or four hours with me telling how he would light the stage. That's coming from Ken himself. He's such a drama queen. He's and that's exactly what Ken said queen. in the article. He said, and, and Kubrick loved the drama of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that fits the brief of yeah. what I've read about Kubrick. That only he can yeah. save this yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. I can't to be me. there when people are there. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I must have time be, alone. Because no. people know I'm on this, so... Yeah. <laughs> Don't think I'll just do anything. <laughs> so, it's not his voice. I think at the end of the day... I kind of won't do anything. <laughs> Whether or not Kubrick was there setting profiles wow. and you know things himself, I, I don't know. But Ken his DNA is there. If mm. Ken Adam has said that on himself. the record, then that's true. That's true. Kubrick that has, guy does not bullshit. At least He's Kubrick spent gospel. three or four yeah. hours at least wow. giving ideas. Oof. So there you go. Well, there that's you go. Kubrick worked on it. I want to rewatch that scene. Mm. <laughs> mm. Now, what year did Jaws come out? 74. 74, didn't we say? Brandon and Darby both said 1975. Ooh. What year was Close Encounters? 77. Darby, you said that it was around the time of Tuswillum. Tuswillum, yeah. Mm, uh-huh. mm-hmm. What's that? Uh, the spy who loved Oh, right. <laughs> For the listeners. <laughs> Principal photography began on May 2nd, 1974. On Jaws. Okay, so oh. 75 release. The film was released June 20, 75. Mm. Spielberg. So you were right. So you were right. You were right. In the podcast. You yeah, both right. were yeah, right. We were both oh, there right. you go. Mm. Spielberg, well, you. Spielberg was apparently approached during post-production of Jaws by the producers asking him to direct The Spy Who Loved oh Me. Oh my gosh. I'm like The Spy Who Loved Me is amazing as it is. But imagine that film by Spielberg. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be oh, interesting. Crazy. I would actually like to have seen him done Moonraker because I think he could have saved it. Mm. Well, Spielberg was very busy because Close Encounters of the Third Kind was released on November 16, 1977. Well done, you. Spy Who Loved Me was released July 7, mm. the same year. Hmm. So it came out a little bit before. A worthy. Before. You know, I like Close Encounters, but it ain't top tier Spielberg. No, no, it's not top tier Spielberg, I guess. There's it's definitely good moments. I think he's, yeah. I think yeah. he's finding his voice. Yeah, I think if we don't have, um, if we don't have Close Encounters, we don't have ET. Mm. True, which is not a film I'm a fan of. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I've never, never really bought into the ET thing. I find it silly. <laughs> <laughs> I find it silly that I should. Care. I think it's one of the best child performances. Oh, oh he's very good. Have you good. seen his self-test? His audition. His audition yeah. tape oh on YouTube. Yeah. That breaks my heart. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. He is Brilliant. amazing. Mm. Um, now, here's one from me, actually. Oh, I said that the... Oh, really? Uh, yeah, you got right, one wrong, all did you? Right. Surprise. No, Surprise. not necessarily. Surprise. Not necessarily. I said that the location where Bond and Major uh, Amasava... Amasova, sorry. Amasova. Amasova. I'm getting the wrong emphasis on the syllable. That's right. <laughs> yes. Uh... The, the location where they chased Jaws through the pillars was some sort of ruin like the Valley of Kings or something like that. Mm-hmm. It is known as Kanak. Kanak. The Temple of Kanak is actually a massive city of temples 
built over a period of 2,000 years. God damn it. Their time. Talk about yeah. foresight. Yeah. Right, let's just keep chipping away at it. Chipping away at it. How d- that boggles my mind that after that emperor who has instructed their slaves to build that yes. has died. Yes. That Why do they keep subsequent going? Emper- emperors <laughs> just keep being like, no, 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 the order was placed. The order was placed. Nothing <laughs> I can do. It's out of my hands. Keep going. <laughs> and it's too far back to yeah. really remember. No, we've been doing this for 1,200 years. Yeah, We're no, going to be going. doing it for another 800. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Look at Keep on. going. <laughs> I know. Invest in it. Invest in the long run. That's it. Invest in roads. Invest in your people. (laughs) (laughs) We want a city of temples. Brandon, you said that... How big is this city? Sorry, I'm not quite past this. Um, Kanak? I don't know the square footage. You didn't go Rain Man on Kanak. I didn't go full Rain Man on Kanak. We had a little bit to get through, so... That's one time where I would have liked it. Yeah, that's that's where the Rain Man... Yeah, yeah, yeah. How am I supposed to keep up with your ridiculous demands? I don't need to know what an oil derrick is. (laughs) But Tell I me need about to the know the square footage of Kanak. <laughs> How many temples does it have? Yeah. What's its primary Which colour scheme? Which emperor commissioned oh, Sandstone it. is its primary colour scheme. It's brown. It's oh, in the desert. Right. And the part that we saw of Kanak, was yeah. that a, a kind of central part? An oh, early part? I don't know. Well, see, this is the shit, Jake. Well, yeah. I think I would like to suggest that we take a road trip to, to Egypt, to oh, Kanak. Fine. Well, we're going to have to because it. we haven't covered it in the podcast. Well, we've got to right. go and have a look at it. After the virus passes. Yes. <laughs> Brandon, you said that the bald henchman's name was Chandler. <laughs> I did. I did. You I did. That you did. And I said that he looks like a wrestler. <laughs> Brandon said he looked like a thumb wrestler. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, but a guy can be called Chandler and not be a wrestler and not... Or he can also be a wrestler he, and be called, be called Chandler. Chandler. Yeah, that's, is, that's right. But it's that's an right. obscure name to assign that him. That doesn't yeah. sound right. Mm. Well, it's not you right. Said it, man. It's not right. His Damn name it. is Sandor. What is it? Sandor. 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 Spell it for me. Spell it for the folks S- at home. S A N D O R. Or what? Sandor. 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 Chandler. Sandor Claus. Sandor is his name. Played by none other than Milton Reed. Oh, I knew that. Yeah. Milton. Who is, you guessed it, a professional wrestler. Oh, I did guess it, yeah. How's he going the thumb wrestling circuit? M- terribly. Mm. Oh. Milton, Milton Reed appeared in Dr. No oh. as Dr. No's guard. All right. He really? also appeared in the 67 version of Casino Royale. Oh, <gasps> terrible man. And, get this, he was also up for the role... Of odd, odd job, job. Ah. and challenged fellow like wrestler Harold Sakatar to a wrestling match. The outcome Did you say would Sakatar. Yeah, how do you say his name? Sakatar. Oh, I don't know. Maybe Sakata. it is Sakatar. Sakatar. So like yeah, the, the rice crisps. Sakatar. Harold Sakata. Well, Sakata is the insect that lives on trees and makes the noise. That's Sakata. Sakata. You were saying Sakata. 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 Harold Sakata. Sakata. All right. Okay. Sure. Either way, Milton challenged Harold to a wrestling match. The outcome would determine who got the role. Is that true? That's true. He challenged him to a wrestling match to fight for the role. And odd job one. The producers decided. Sakata one. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. The producers decided that because Milton had been already been in a Bond film, they would give it to Harold. So the wrestling oh, match never took place. Before. But he would get that another uh, odd job or two with oh, them. Yeah, oh, look out, buddy! Brandon, you said that Friends hmm. ran from 1994 to 2004. <laughs> so 2003. Darby said to 2003. Yeah, I see. The first episode of Friends aired on the 22nd of September, 1994. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until its final episode In on May 6, 2004. Yeah, oh. but I was talking about the Australian release. Of oh. course, like, we got it a year late. No, but you were, you were right. You were right. You were right, though. You were right, Darby was right. I was wrong. Oh, it was 2004. Yeah, 2004. Oh, well, hang on. By your logic, it's 2005. So no, no, no. no we right. did. No, actually, no. If I think about it, we got it. No, it was live streamed. It was straight direct from the US. Um, fast track. Yeah, that's what I used to call it. Fast track from the US. Yeah, fast track from the US. How many episodes were there of Friends? Uh, okay, let's work, work this 20, out. There were 10 seasons. A season. So, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99... I'm going to say 207. You're going to say 207. Mm. I'm going to say... That doesn't make sense. Doesn't it? Oh, that's close. Maybe. You think it's close? 211. 211. Oh, come on, mate. Give us a bit more of a buffer. Oh, what is it closest right, without right. going over? What did you say? No, it's all right. No, what did you say? Closest without going over? He said 207. 207. All right, I'll go, uh, I'll go to, um, uh, you know, 221. <laughs> 221. All right. No justification, no reason. Because there's 21 episodes uh, in, 21 a, in, a regular, in a regular season. Yeah, 21, 22 mm. in a regular season of uh, an American Television sitcom. program. Yeah. Right. Uh, nine there seasons. were ten, 10 seasons. All right. No, is it nine or 10? Well, I don't know. 10 years. 10 years. Okay. But Maybe it was nine seasons. Anyway. First season uh, started in September. Oh, oh they've got so that seasons yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's nine seasons. It is nine seasons. Oh, well mm. then, my maths is a bit too high there. Too high. I'm all more on the money, I reckon. Yeah. You're closer. 236 episodes. Ooh. Wow, they had uh, some stacked seasons. Yeah. Pumping them out. Pumping them out. <laughs> Apparently, Dame Judy's two M's are different people. They are, yeah. She only has one M in her name. <sighs> what are their Sorry, names? That was bad. <laughs> Please cut that out. <laughs> 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 Made more sense kind of when you were yeah, 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 thinking yeah, about yeah, it in your head. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah all right. I'll see how I feel. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the evidence we need to, to incriminate you. Please, the yeah. buffoon. One of them's like <laughs> Barbara Messavy or Maudsley or something. Wow. Go, go on. What, what's her name? Whose name? What's M's name? What are, what are both of her names? Am I expert? Am I six expert? Barbara Maudsley. Oh, that's right. She had a different name in the And Pierce I think Brosnan. Barbara Maudsley is the Pierce Brosnan one. Uh, what's the Craig M's name? Mallory. No, uh, that's no. Braith. Oh, I don't know. It it's like Rebe- Rebecca. No, Rebecca's too too much of a young person's name. Um, I'm gonna say it was uh, Courtney Love. <laughs> Rebecca's due age. <laughs> no, Barbara Maudsley feels right though for one of them. Barbara Maud. Barbara. Barbara Maudsley. Barbara Maudsley. Barbara Maudsley. Barbara Maudsley. Barbara Maudsley is the name of Brosnan's M. Hey! Well done. And well how done. does it appear? 
Uh, oh, see. Hey. What, you want Rain Man on this too? No, no, I know how it appears. Go it for appears it. in the uh, Raymond Benson novelization. Is it Raymond Benson? Yeah, it's the Raymond Benson novelizations um, of. So it's not in the films? Oh, no, I think it's revealed in the film. Not in the Brosnan film. Well, okay. No, the Brosnan one is revealed well, only is in the. Is it really true? It is, yeah, because they're canon, technically. Mm. Uh, or mm. Fierstein, because Bruce Fierstein did the novel adaptation of of the two films that he worked on as well. Right. Um, Goldeneye and Tomorrow Never Dies, although he did also technically work on The World Is Not Enough. And you've got no idea what the Craig M's name is. You said uh, Courtney Love. I, I didn't say Courtney Love. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> Courtney nah, Love. I, it's not going to come to me in time. Her name... Uh-huh. Is Olivia yeah. Mansfield. Mansfield? Damn it! it is. Darby got it. Got yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's on the uh, personal effects when it he gets when the um, from the with the bulldog. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, <Darby>. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. Brandon said, "Softwarical is a word <laughs> because I'm oh, saying it." You can't it. fact check this. No, softwarical is a word. He yeah, said, "It's a word, it's it's a a word, word because I'm saying it." And you know what I'm means. saying it, and you know exactly what I mean by it. That's the definition of a word. Look it up in your Oxford Dictionary, smarty pants. So I did. The definition of word... (laughs) According to the Oxford Dictionary... ...is a single distinct meaningful element of speech or writing... ...used with others or sometimes alone to form a sentence. That's not what you said. The dribble that came out of your mouth was completely devoid of any meaning. You're a dirty devil and I won't hear another word about (laughs) it. You're a dirty devil and I won't hear another word about it. Mr Speaker, this man has has, has, has spat on my (laughs) honour. And that is fact check, folks. Oh, well you both done. dirty devils. Well done. Oh, we're all dirty devils. We are all dirty devils. Well, well it's, it's time for uh, for our uh, favourite segment, uh, Darby, and, mm-hmm. and Jake's most hated segment. Thank you for getting uh, which, this right. Yeah, this which week. he said on the. But also yours record. too, Brendan. Also your favourite. Uh, yeah, but no, we yeah, said yeah, but it's our favourite, and, and and but not yours, Jake. Uh, but we graciously allow you to participate in yeah, it. Thank you. Uh, and that me. is our preconceived notions. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you should just play that clip. <laughs> yeah, every, exactly. every time. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, maybe I will. <laughs> um, the preconceived notions today, gentlemen, mm-hmm. are for a tiny little film that came out in the year 1997, mm. starring a young up-and-comer, mm-hmm. Pierce Brosnan, uh, called Tomorrow Never dies mm. what are your preconceived notions Mr Spear I think this is going to be absolutely fabulous I think it's why do you think that <laughs> I think it's going to be the right kind of 90s campness mm-hmm. I think it's going to get the kind of blockbuster feel right I think there's going to be a, I think it's just going to be good fun I don't think it's going to be overly serious it's not going to take itself too seriously I'm expecting a little bit of cringe I'll be honest um, but generally speaking, you are. I think, yeah, I think there's probably going to be a little bit of cringe. I don't know yeah. to what extent or where it's going to rear its you, ugly head. Do you feel that going into the the others that there's going to be a bit of cringe? Yeah, the other James Bond films. Yeah. Well, hang James on now, hang on now. Let me. James I might Bond be confusing. Bayern Productions. Because yeah. Bayern Productions. Um, because this is. I always get tomorrow never dies and the world is not enough. Actually, I'm going to retract that statement because I think there's going to be more. What film are we watching? Tomorrow never dies. <laughs> right. I think. I think. Uh, 
some reason, I just get these two mixed up for some reason. Why? I don't know what it is. I think there's going to be more cringe in the world. Is Tomorrow's world is never you think enough. more in the world is not enough? I think so. I think the more this goes on, I think the world is not enough. You we'll think it gets bit. tired? I think it'll just kind of push itself. Initially, it's kind of like, it's ah, and that's kind of how we end up with die another day. I yeah, think you're right. Yeah, I think. But yeah. I think this time, backing mm, it up straight after Gold and I, exponential growth of cringe. Yes, yeah. I think so. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yes. Yes. I think this one off the back of Gold and I is going to be an absolute romp. I think yep. it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, fair call. Fair mm. call. Mister, Mister Death. Oh, gee. All right. Well, I'm pretty outspoken against me, bros. Yeah. Uh, I do love Goldeneye. Yeah, you really I, I do. Go, I go do. And there. I love him in Goldeneye. Yeah. So I'm hoping, as I said, he just rubbed me the wrong way in that die another day and I and I'm expecting the world not <coughs> pardon me. The world is not enough to be similar, as we said, the exponential growth of cringe. Mm-hmm. Um The last time I watched this movie, I actually remember distinctly, which I don't think is a good thing, but it was when I was very young and it was on television mm-hmm. and I would have been 12 or 13 at this time and I despised it. Even uh, at that young at age? At that age, I despised I it. I loved everything. I don't know I why. I don't know why. I think it could be a thing where it was because it was broken by ad breaks. It could be a thing that it's, mm. it's the plot maybe. Maybe it's an early indication of, of me not coping well with a convoluted plot, which <laughs> I expect this yeah. to have. Um... I don't know. So look, I'm I'm really excited to see it because I think it's going to lean more towards favourable Brosnan. Um, I think I'll like him in it. I don't think he's going to bother me. I think that there is going to be a big element of it that rubs me the wrong way, and I don't know how to quite put my finger on what it is. But I think there's going to be a big part of the the style or the way the story is told that I'm not going to like. Mm. That's my gut feeling. All right. Um, but. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm ready to see what the hell this movie is. It's been so long for me. So I don't think yeah. I've seen it. Right. Yeah, I don't think... It, it, it feels... Oh, look, it's hard because I think... Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. It, it's hard because I think this is one of the, the least memorable of the films. Right. And yet has has stuff in it that should be way more memorable than it is. Right. Mm. But I feel that a little bit with the two middle Brosnan films is that I can get a little bit like they get a bit muddled in my head as like to that. which which, one, which one had that scene. Oh yeah, that's right. That was Tomorrow Never Dies with the bloody paper factory and blah blah blah. Um, I'm so excited. This is probably this and a view to the uh, view to a kill are the two that I'm most looking forward to watching right. in this whole playthrough. Yeah. What, what what was your other one? The Spy Who Loved Me. I remember you've, oh, you've mentioned it was. that along the maybe way. Maybe it was The Spy Who Loved Me. No, no, I think no, he's mentioned eyes For Your Eyes Only. For Your Eyes Only is one of my favourites. Right, yeah. right, but right, in terms right. of this viewing, uh, this kind of going through it for the podcast and watching it with the two of you, mm. A View to a Kill and Tomorrow Never Dies are the two that I feel like watching with other people right. will enhance the enjoyment of gotcha, them. Gotcha. Because those two, well, especially View to a Kill, seems to be a real... Like deterrent, they're just people. they really yeah, do, divide popcorn people. crowd pleasers. Yeah, right. right. In, in that they go, all right. You want Bond? We'll give you Bond. Here's sure. all the Bond, which is bold. It, it is bold. Eat it. Keep yeah. eating it. You have want it? it? You it, love it. it. Eat it. it. 
Um, no, no. And, and I think it's because for some people, Tomorrow Never Dies is like one of their, <laughs> their like favorites. And for, for other people, Tomorrow Never Dies is one of the bottom of the... It's some people it's, stand by it a lot, do they? Yeah, some people really... A, a lot of people would, say would that... Would these be the people that also love anything 90s? Oh, not so much. Not I so mean, much. I'll, I'll name a name that I, I don't know personally, but I've watched his videos. David Zaritsky from The Bond Experience. Yes. Mm. Uh, he saw Goldeneye in cinemas, but that didn't spark or recapture his yeah, sure. childhood love of Bond. Yeah. He saw this in the cinema, yeah. and ever since then, right. his Bond mania has just been... I mean, if you look at his collection, it's amazing. Amazing. Sure. amazing. Yeah, yeah. But he was like... Before that, he was like collecting Star Wars stuff and different things. But after this film, Bond he was like, no, 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 yeah. it's Bond. It's Bond. Wow. Right. And the passion was lit. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. there's so much in this to to really like. Sure. I don't remember it enough. Mm. I just know that it's one of those... You have seen it in a while? Uh, no, I, well, I put it on last year and I, I turned it off about halfway through because right. I... I had something else to do. Like, it was kind of like... I just Water put it on leaf. in the... Yeah. Yeah. I had something... I just wanted something on and I watched it and I was kind of enjoying it but not enough to give it full attention. Mm. And that's why I want to see it with an audience because mm. I feel like this is a... It's a popcorn classic. Do you think it's a real <laughs> tastemaker? Do you think it could divide the group? Are you oh, well, look, I feel like I've said that on the last five episodes. Well... It's a tastemaker. But, um, no, I did say before, though, before the fact check, that uh, this could be the one where we see the most kind of division in our ratings. Mm. Um... It, it'll be interesting because, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It is, it is interesting that the. the <laughs> it is, it is, it is, it's very interesting. Uh, all of the all of our numbers so far have been pretty much on par with each yeah, other. Yeah, we're like around, one or two yeah, off each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. Kind Actually, of I think the biggest gap is is one one number. It ain't a bell curve. No, definitely mm. not. We're kind mm. of trudging along yeah, very yeah. very similarly. Yeah. yeah. So Similarly. I'd kind of like to see a, a, a film that really rips I the would. group apart. What is the biggest d- division we've had thus Our far? Our biggest division so far, ladies and gentlemen, is for Diamonds Are Forever. Okay. Uh, Jake gave it a six. Mm-hmm. Darby gave it a four. Mm-hmm. And I gave it a five. Okay. Wow. So, so that's still a spread. That's a, that's, that's that's it's still a spread of two. In the ball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Is yeah, that being our biggest four? That's our big. That's our Ooh. biggest one. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, oh, look. No, we've got eight, nine, ten. We've got... Oh yeah, eight, nine, ten. That's but very that's similar. Still to, um, shaken. I guess net, that's uh, that's goes from stirred to shaken, doesn't it? Four, five, six. Yes, yeah. yeah that's yeah, where you're yeah, like, true. I hate this. Well, I yeah, don't yeah. like yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. Um, look, I'm just bloody keen to jump into this. So am I. Mm. Let's wait. I cannot wait. All right. Well, let's pop in the Blu-ray for 1997's Tomorrow Never Dies. gentlemen we have just seen 1997's tomorrow never dies what did we think i'm gonna start with you mr spear we have a lot to talk about (laughs) (laughs) um look this is a very important film for me Mm -hmm. um because it 
has shaken the very foundation <laughs> oh, no. of my Bond beliefs. Oh, it's got to the core. Really? Um, it, it has. It's gotten to the core. It has. Mm. And there's a lot I think I need to unpack with you in a safe space. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, this has been a fair journey now. Mm. It has, yeah. What is this, our 13th film, I yeah, think? Oh, so. unlucky. What an auspicious number. Mm. My initial reaction. Yep, initial reaction. Uncensored. Yep, uncensored. It's not very good. Not very good. No. <laughs> Would you go so far as to say it's bad? When I think of bad Bond films, yeah. obviously I think of Die Another Day. Of course. Right you are. Of course, right you are. Uh, what, an, another, look, I'm going to say another bad Bond film is Octopussy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think this is somewhere in the middle. Of those two. You yeah. think okay. Octopussy is better than Tomorrow Never Dies. Wow. That's where I'm at. Really? Wow. Mm. Mr. Deck. Because I've got to say, I would have thought of all three of us, you would have been the one to love this. Yeah, I thought you would have been its champion. I thought you would have um, defended uh, some of the sillier... Look, I mm. am uh, feeling... I was talking about Jake then, by the yeah, way. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm feeling... Uh, Confused. It's it's. I'm finding it hard to really put a pin in exactly what I'm feeling. I think it was doing so much right. Yeah. Um, and speaking to some histories of Bond that I adore. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you, Jake, it's really shaken. Not shaken me, mm. but uh, in the right way. <laughs> in the right way, but um, has gotten to the core of of my understanding of, of the bigger things. Yeah. With Bond. Yeah. Um, it is. I will go as far as saying it has definitely confirmed my fears about Mr. Brosnan. Um, I'm sorry. I know there's a lot of Brosnan fans out there. He's not for me. He really isn't. Um, That's my biggest takeaway from this because I think there was a wonderful Bond film in this movie. Yes. Uh, And I think there was a wonderful set of hands as the director of the visual style of the film. It was perfectly um, visualised. It's kind of its look. It was yeah. so Bond. You know what I mean? It's one of the best examples of what modern Bond can look like. Mm. In, in the, it, it's exploring the ways in which it can communicate with the lineage, which the modern Craig films haven't done so much. They've done a little bit in their own yeah, way. Yeah, they're you kind know? of very different films. Yeah. Yeah. And the big letdown for this film, there was a few aspects, there was more than a few aspects. And again, with poor old Brosnan... Some of the some of the more explicit choices in the script for his character are a bit strange, but uh, yeah, to wrap it up and my initial kind of feeling, it's uh, he's the letdown. The film's got some gems in it. Yeah, mm. I uh, yeah, I'm the same. I think there's a bloody good Bond film here, mm. uh, but it just doesn't have the right Bond. I'm going to stop short of saying that that Brosnan is bad. Uh, but I don't think he was the right person for this film. Mm-hmm. And I think I remarked on it quite late in the, the viewing. You did. It was a that, eureka um, moment. That I think this film, had this been Dalton's third, mm-hmm. we'd be having a very different conversation. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's let's jump in, talk about him. Yeah. Bond, James Bond, played by Pierce Brosnan. His yeah. second outing in the role. Yeah. Jake, you've been a big champion of Mr. Brosnan. Yes. 
Yes. What do you have to say for yourself? I've loved me some Brozzy. <laughs> Tell you what, the man has a very special place in my heart. Golden eye all the way, folks. Golden eye. Golden, all the way. eye. <laughs> Golden eye 2020. Golden eye 2020. Um, look, it was it was prophesized at the very outset of this little adventure that we've been on, and. Look, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a part of me that thought it may come true. When I first started out on this journey, folks... All those, uh, all all those, those years ago. All those years ago. <laughs> before I'd seen pretty much any of these This films, little old journey called life. I, I could not fault Brosnan. He was everything I wanted Bond to be. And I thought, Roger Moore... I thought, who is Roger Moore? <laughs> Apart from being a silly old clown. You thought he was Roger Less. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Aha! <laughs> and you know what? I think the tides be turning. Mm, the tides that bind. I think what's happened is that Brosnan has lost the throne oh. and Roger is Roger. very Roger strongly wow. climbed mm. his way to the top of my So Roger is your favourite Bond now let me ask you this Mr Spear has he dropped just one rung Mr Brosnan mm. after this I've got to agree with Darby I think the weakest part of this film is Pierce Brosnan Ooh. why is that that's a hard thing for me to say mm. but I can't deny the facts because it's staring us right in the face mm. I think he overperforms it he puts yeah. too much into it than needs Look. to be there yeah. he can't handle the action he can't you, we said it <laughs> the way he holds a gun what's this flailing around of those MP5 machine guns and uh, like he can't hold a gun he can't <laughs> shoot. he's trying to do this weird gangster shit on the side and everything well, it almost uh, feels like the gun is getting away from it. I know. Look, I think, yeah, there he's was too aware. He's way too. I aware. think, yeah, it's. I don't know who, where, and not to even apportion blame, but like the choice to make his character a superhero version of Bond, yeah, is really weird, and it doesn't work well with him. As an actor, what what do you mean by um, like a superhero version? Like of Bond? he he's he's so fortunate, he's so lucky. He lands just where he needs to land. He's always perfectly composed. I mean, to give you a more better yardstick in what I see in a Bond, you know, I see Dalton mm-hmm. who plays the reality of the scene. I feel like Brosnan plays the fantasy of the scene. I don't think he's. I don't know what reality he belongs in, and I fear that he doesn't know what reality he belongs in. I think he's got a really kind of big impression of where this Bond sits. And I understand contextually as well why it might sit there, being the 90s. But to me, it's the furthest thing from James Bond. 
Yeah. It really is the furthest thing from James Bond for me. Because it's not a superhero. An Arnie film. It does. It does. The convenience of things. Yeah. The fact that the particular weapon's nearby. The fact that he, you know, opens up the door and he's in the right place. There's always an element of that to Bond, but it's it's kind of a sort of. It's made more obvious with Brosnan. Yeah. Yeah, and it it feels laboured. Like a lot of the, the Bondian stuff feels so laboured in this film Mm. and it's not the film I mean look the film is far from perfect yes correct the storyline is not like it's not up there for me with Casino Royale or anything like that but this could have been a really good you know Sunday afternoon bond (laughs) yeah Mm. but man you just you kind of don't care you don't care. There's a point in the film where you stop caring. Yes. And as we've said that. before, as we've said before in this podcast, that's the worst crime it's, against an yeah, audience. The death yeah. Knell. yeah. Yeah, it is. And that's what's left me so heartbroken. What mm. films have done that for us? Don't other day has done that. Yeah, that, I that, switched that one off quite a bit. Diamonds Are Forever did that. The back half of it. The back half. The back really? half. Of yeah, it. I felt disrespected. If we're talking specifically yes. about yeah, the moment right. where we give up, you know, Octopussy. Octopussy did it. Yeah. Um, yeah, what was the one that I called a meh film? Maybe that was Octopus. I think it was Octopus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Licensed to Kill kept its head just above water. It threatened to, threatened to, to go do there, it. Though, it threatened to it? go there. It did. Yeah, yeah but it, we kept saying that, kept remarking about that film that it keeps just pull, doing just enough to keep our favour. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, and a lot of that's Dalton. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm, it's the reverse of what, the. So, what do you think it is? Because Roger Moore is not entirely convincing or believable in the action scenes and the fight scenes. Mm. Most of the time you're fully aware that it's a stunt double. What is it though then about Brosnan? Like because why why is it fine for for more? I just feel but like, not for Brosnan. I just feel like Roger knows what type of man he is. Yeah, as James Bond. Right? I think that's it. I think you've nailed it. We said yeah. it before. He has a compass and he navigates around that compass. Yeah. Brosnan tries to be too sexy. He's a very attractive man. He doesn't have to work that hard. We Mm. just see him working too hard for a particular look and aesthetic. The way he pouts his lips, the way he kind of sits there. Which Craig is a little little guilty of. A little guilty of in some of his earlier films. No, I won't hear that. I won't hear that at all. You've only picked up on the pout. He's got got a pout, but that's just his natural lip formation. But you know, his his Bond is a real fleshed out man. Absolutely. And Daniel Craig knows who he is. Roger Roger Moore knows who he is. It's like, yeah, but... Brosnan just seems to be a bit of a tryhard. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, these are strong words. That, you know, and I mean that, that, he's Shakespeare trying, yeah, yeah. that he is trying too hard. That it's like the action with the gun flailing the arms around. It's like, yeah. well, gun doesn't behave like that, mate. And it wouldn't behave in the hands of a fully trained MI6 agent. Mm, it's yeah. like, you know, just... I think Roger and whether it's his particular approach and his awareness or simply the fact that it's his age and he can't give a stuff. It's like <laughs> that, there's, that there's an authenticity and an ownership to yeah, what he does. Exactly. makes it feel more believable even though even he's not he's the action man it. Bond. Yeah. What I love about Brosnan, and we see it the first time we see him in Goldeneye, mm. is this action man Bond. We spoke about it. The, the quick movements, the real tactical kind of approach to, mm. to the damn sequence. They've you know? tried to tailor the series that. to him 
that way. Yeah. And a lot of the gunplay in this film is a reflection of, I feel, trying to capitalise on what is the appeal of Brosnan as Bond, mm. is the action man element. Because I was watching him going, what he's doing is really cool. They're trying to tailor it to him yeah. in the same way that they tailor the films to all the actors, mm. you know. But too much of it does not work. Yeah. We've got to see it in small doses with yeah. him, I think. Yeah. I think too much and you just start to see an actor. Yeah. I don't think you're seeing... A, you're seeing choices. You're seeing you're choices. Saying, oh, why does he do that? Yeah. It's the same problem that I have with Connery to a certain extent, and we've spoken about it a little bit, is the idea of an unflappable bond. Yeah. You know, it's like sometimes Connery walks into a room and, you know, knows, knows everything. He mm. walks in and goes, oh, this is, this is everything that I expected. Yeah, I'm not shaken by anything at all. Mm. Um, and I think that there's an element to Brosnan's bond that, that, that's very similar in the, in the sense that he becomes unflappable, that everything's too convenient or, I'm, you know, I'm super charming and I'm... You know, there's never a... The posing, it's never really a threat. choreographed. It doesn't... Mm-hmm. Whereas with Dalton, you've got someone that is so... And that's his strength as an actor that is so good at conveying and living in the stakes of the situation that just, no matter how unrealistic or how kind of over-the-top Bondian they are, because that is an element to the the film, it's still anchored in that truth. And I Mm. think in Roger's own way... He does that. He does that. He does, yeah. Especially when he's telling a tiger to sit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, Or or in a a gorilla suit, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, let's not get into that. <laughs> no, but you're totally right there. Yeah, I think you've. I agree with everything you said there. This, mm. Yeah, this whole idea of Brosnan being. I mean, you spoke about it in a few earlier episodes. You know, oh, here comes Brosnan, not a hair out of place. Yeah, yeah that's it's what my like, mum. Yeah, yeah, mom, yeah. Your mum's mom, yeah. version of him. You know, yeah. and mm. I think we yeah. we just need a bit. We we need more than that. Yeah, I want to see him get threatened. I want to see him nearly get attacked by a shark and and praise his good luck. Yeah, you know, I, which I, we you know we did see in Goldeneye. We did, we did. That's what I can't really get my head around because I know a lot of people who say that this is when Brosnan became Bond for them. They were like, no, that's Bond. Um, I think uh, Joe Darlington at Being James Bond says that he he finds Brosnan a bit mousy in the first one which you know that's you know different opinions and all that that's I've... what old uh, Ebert and Schubert said about um, oh Dalton. about Dalton mm. yeah they did too mm. yeah Siskel um, mousy Ebert and Schubert but I would say that in Goldeneye mm. he's he's vulnerable without being weak yes and he's open and reacting to every situation that he's in He's not this kind of... I don't know. I kept getting this weird hybrid of Roger Moore meets Connery in this. Mm -hmm. And I kept being like, I can't see Bond. Bond just keeps slipping between those two styles. Mm. It's like, does it want to be Connery with the, you know, attaching the silencer and drinking the Smirnoff and, you know, which is a clear reference to Dr. No. Mm. Um, the way he dispatches Dr. Kaufman is, you know, cold and brutal and mm. blah, blah, blah. Very Connery Bond. But then there's a lot of very Roger Moore-y, you know, kind of goofy one-liners that really don't need to be there. And yeah. I don't know. It just feels so. 
it just feels so unsettled. I don't know. I prefer I prefer Brosnan in Goldeneye. Absolutely. And I don't understand where this version of Bond came from because I think this is the Bond we get for the next two films as well. Mm, yeah. Right. I mean, it's more of the same. In it's very world similar and, to Die Another Day. World is not enough. Yeah. Oh well, no, no. The, the, yeah, to this, this is. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, Die Another Day is bad. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. This is that. This going wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, that, yeah, that's mm. living it on the shelf for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. some mold growing. Like the biting. Was that? Why a, does what? he bite he the women? Is it such must a be- bad kisser. <laughs> I feel so sorry for all of his Bond women having that thing sucking on your face oh, no. and like biting you. I'm What's sure in real doing? life he's a perfectly maybe kisser. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> kissing scenes are the most uncomfortable thing to film. Yes, regardless. Yes, but I mean, they just look. Why is he biting them? There's, there's so an, aggressive. There's an element which, and look, I'm kind of. This is slightly speaking out of school here for me. Right, but. There's an element of it when I watch watch him in those like romance scenes, mm-hmm. where it's like he's trying to um, tap into the way that Bond is described in the novels, and so when Bond is described in the novels, when he makes love and all that kind of stuff, uh, he, he's described as being quite animalistic, right? And that he he's not a particularly pleasant lover. It's quite ugly passion right uh, and he's still trying to be sexy Brosnan is but well that's what, but I think that's what the thing is is that he's going yeah. for that kind of like appetite that mm-hmm. he's like voracious almost yeah. you know what yeah, I mean and yeah. that it's this and that that's what translates into the bites and that because I'm fairly sure he does the biting again in um, it's a weird I'm choice I'm sure I saw not die, die Look, another do, day do it do yeah, what yeah. you're going to do in the bedroom I just it's a weird thing on the cinema screen. Yeah, it just seems to lack screen awareness. For me. It does. It's like the it way does. it translates on screen. It's strange. It's it's odd. It's odd. It's off-putting, and I don't think it would have. I think it would have been off-putting at the time. Mm. Maybe no. not to women. Maybe nineties was a big biting era. <laughs> Who, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe, yeah, maybe biting. Biting. Biting's a big thing, and we're missing out. <laughs> Let us know. Let us know who who's Is biting. biting a big thing. <laughs> Email him. <laughs> but I think, yeah, it's like you were talking about it too, Brennan. It's like he just seems to be afraid of vulnerability. Mm. I don't know, afraid of not being sexy. Everything I do has to look sexy. Even when I'm sad, has mm. to look sexy. What the hell was the go <laughs> with the griefing scene with Paris? Oh yeah, yes. like the smelling, the smelling, the sniffing, the, the kissing, kissing of a corpse, a corpse. like wh- the Which weird is... cry face. Like, what's going on? Yeah, and I mean, we haven't watched this film yet, but I have to do a comparison here. There's a moment at the end of Casino Royale, which we've all seen. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, where he is, he's got Vesper's body. Yeah, much more and, emotionally felt, and he starts kissing. Her. It mm. starts as CPR and then it turns into this kind of kiss. Mm. And there's a moment where you see Craig's Bond catch himself kissing a dead body and he almost panics. Mm. And he's like short of breath and <laughs> his eyes darting around everywhere just being mm. like... It's, it's a brutal moment. Mm. And when you have that moment in the series 
comparing it to this is just like I don't know. It just looks weird. It, I think we're meant to go. Oh, he deeply cares. But I don't believe her. that for a second. You don't believe it for a second, no? Yeah. Because he doesn't interact with with the the women in a way where you go. Mm, yeah, I believe that you deep history, shit. rich yeah. history. I mean, interpersonal. Terry Hatcher's doing a damn bloody good she, job yeah. in those scenes. Yeah. She gets a bad rep. Yeah. A lot of people give her shit, and I, I get it. She good. was a bit of stunt casting, you know, for the for the time. Sure. Mm-hmm. But she does a damn good job in this. She yeah. does. I don't think there's anything wrong with Terry Hatcher in this. No. I, um, I think there's that. something wrong with the actress that played Wei Lin. Yeah, I I don't yeah. have as much of a problem with, with her. Look, Michelle Yeoh. She, she was pretty great in the action scenes, She's which is probably nice, why she yeah. was hired. Definitely, um, definitely. I just, again, it was a believability thing and... She just doesn't need to be the uh, the sexy, sultry. Yeah, exactly. One. Yeah, but the, her and just Bond don't her need more... to sleep with each yeah, other. Yeah, no, they don't. This is yeah. my. I hate it when the Bond films do this. But they don't. They, they don't sleep together. Yeah, uh, they do. Where at the end they start making out and they're so, like, yeah, well, they make out on the. Wreckage. Yeah, but that's heavily implied <laughs> that that they're about to. Bonk. I mean, it's that's the same what, as. Know, that's so, what they mean when they, yeah. you know, the lights fade and they. Is that what happens? That's what happens. Oh, right. It's the end of every Bond film. (laughs) I actually thought they did a pretty good job at keeping her distance and not letting her fall into that trap. Yeah, until that very final moment. Yeah, that was weird. Which is like, Uh, what? I know. I did check And the kiss of life. Stupid. Come on. Stupid. Yeah, she just had to become a damsel in that final scene, didn't she? Damsel in distress. No. Like, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Well, let's look. Pre-title sequence. We were very. I would say, in that pre-title sequence, we were very on board. I was not. You were not. I was not. With the pre-title. The pre-title sequence, I didn't like it. You didn't like it. I was really worried. What didn't you like? Um, Just give me a quick recap. Okay. (laughs) Right, Jake. The the pre-title sequence. There's the terrorist arms bazaar on near the Russian border. Camera comes up out of the snow. Camera up. Oh yep, yep. They're seeing the arms deal go on. Uh, M and the Admiralty and uh, and that are kind of looking at it, being like, okay, that's we know that terrorist, we know that terrorist. Uh And then they sent. They get the navy to send off the missile to blow them all up. You remarked that it was quite a nice shot. Oh yes. Oh yes. Uh, and then we realise that their their man on the ground, their man in the field, is uh, Sir James Bond. Yeah, I think I was I think I was bothered. It's a classic pre-title symptom um, that appears in other films that escape me right now. Mm. But this pre-title symptom of the attempt at adrenaline and the, and the, they miss the mark slightly. They it's 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 maybe just something. I'm not mm-hmm. in the right headspace yet. Sometimes I'm really engaged by pre-title sequences. Sometimes I'm like, I'm not properly amped for this adventure. This hasn't... Because, I don't know, there's this idea in film of the opening image. And yeah. I think I think Bond is a different thing. It has its yeah. own... You know, the open... Well, its opening image is always a gun barrel. Exactly. So the, the opening image of... A... But, I mean, I think people misinterpret what an opening image is. People say sometimes it's the first shot. I think it's the first kind of thematic statement is what I see an opening image as. It might not occur in the first shot, but it'll occur in the first kind of moments of a film where a filmmaker right. will go, this is what I'm exploring. Right. Prepare for this. Yeah, they... Bond misses that a little yeah, bit. Bond, I think most... Action Most action movies miss that a little yeah. bit, but however, that's when I—that's how I see a pre-title sequence, and how I've come to see one is it's a taste sample. 
mm. for the film ahead. Yes. It needs to function as a taste sample and go, this is what you're in store for. This is the type of action. This is how we're treating it. This is the tone. Yes. And then a good film will stick to that. A good Bond film will stick to that and deliver on it and go, oh, they set this up. Like with Dalton in, in The Living Daylights, they set this up with the bomb being thrown off the back of the plane. Uh, off the back of the car and then it's thrown off the back of the plane at the oh, end. Oh, yes. You yes, know, there's like this it. element of callback or this element of foresight within it. And yeah, I think I was able to tell in this kind of opening that this isn't aware of that. It's kind of just going for more of a... Hmm. You know? Let's just blow shit up. Essentially. Sort of essentially. Let's just be exciting. And I think then, you know, it does become symptomatic of the film. Mm. Of this kind of lack of ability to follow through or stick a landing yeah, yeah. It, it, it's funny I find with the pre-title sequence but it was fine I'm on you board know. with it uh, the only thing that if I was to say just for personal taste to get rid of mm. is get rid of all the upside down ejector seat struggle in the plane yeah I think that once he takes off and he gets through that flame mm. Then you say, ask the Admiral where he'd like his bombs dropped off. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, it's your big bang. That's well, can I say, that's what I, I think, you know, I, I touched on it before, this idea that the, the style and, and tone, the storytelling of the film is quite classic Bond. Yes. Yeah. You know, and it is in that sequence. We get kind of, we're not kind of tight and shaky on things yes, happening. Yeah. We're kind of, we're, we're more back in our mid-shots and we're seeing kind of more stagey action. Yeah. And it doesn't work. I think I'm I'm a little bit kind of off put by it. Instead of being excited by more of that to come, oh uh, yes, as I usually am. It's like when you show me that kind of half camp sort of styling to an action scene, I would normally be excited. But I think my alarm bells were ringing because I was going, I don't think Pierce is right for this. You know? Oh, so it's yeah. Pierce that you're that you're. I think it's a bit of tug of war yeah, there. I think okay. it's a bit of tug right. of war and it presents itself in that pre-title sequence. It's like classic storytelling technique and old school pulpy vibes. Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan as mm. Bond. Taking it too seriously. That's fine. Yeah, because yeah. I, mm. I get more of a machine gun action Jackson vibe from that opening. Mm. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's more the stuff in, with M where I'm like, oh, yes, yeah, that's Bond. Yeah, very yeah, true. That's Bond. Bond. I like that. Mm. Yeah. Um, I was on board with it, though, mm. up, up, up at that point. What about you? I was on board. I was on board. I think it's Were you excited by it? Sure. Or well, were alarm bells ringing for you as well? Um, I mean, I, look, I've seen this film many, many times. So for me today, this was a bit of like, all right, I'm going to give this film a real good chance because I mm. know everything that's coming. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, well, I, yeah, I mean, it was a blank canvas for me. I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it did feel like familiar territory when we first opened on the snow and the Soviet-looking kind of vehicles lying around. On a runway. To, on a runway sort of thing. Very, very golden eye. Yeah. Um, which I think, look, if I'm going to s- super analyse things and, and, and make ridiculous statements... Um, uh, which I'm proud Please to do. do. Um, it's the Trayvon podcast. That, that's, now, that's the home, that's our thing. The home for outrageous statements. <laughs> Completely unfounded. Um, that in itself was an alarm bell, I think. What's that? The Opening up on something that felt like Goldeneye. Right. It felt familiar territory. I was like, oh, you've already done this. Hmm. Um, oh, right. 
just just a fleeting moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on board with it. Um, there was plenty going on of you know cutting back to the sort of war room situation. You yes. know, and, you know, should we launch the missile? What's going on? No, there's, it's nuclear. It'll explode, sort of thing. Um, but I will say this: I think the very first, very action, Jackson. Absolutely, <laughs> it was. It's yeah, a lot of lot of fight, a lot of guns, a lot of missiles, a lot of explosions. Where you would think I would be super excited for that, yeah, I wasn't, and I think something that this film continued to do for me was just fall short of that every time it lobbed up as a, a, an expensive set piece a really kind of what was trying to be not necessarily a damn jump but a really impressive stunt or chase or fight or explosion I don't know I just felt underwhelmed like the helicopter in the like street. Like the helicopter in the street. Mm. You know, there was a real... And that whole motorcycle chase. There was a real moment, big chunk of that film where I was just kind of sitting on the lounge. Bored. Bored. Mm. Just unimpressed. It's like, yeah. you want me to be super pumped about this. Yeah. And on my feet going, oh my God, look at that. Wow, the company, they did that. Ah, oh, it's brilliant. But I wasn't. Mm. And look, I don't think you can be when... You, Particularly, look, we're jumping ahead here a, a tiny bit, but mm. talking about that helicopter, yeah, when it's bloody hovering um, over the ground, yeah, and the blades are like going at the Skewing ground, going like, through the market stalls. That's and... not how helicopters work. Yeah, but then like Bond and Wei Lin do the slide underneath, underneath it, and it's it. completely staying in one place. Mm. But it's fucking diagonal up with its rotors going. <laughs> I mean, crazy. the wind the alone thing... would be. Yeah, and yeah. also, if a helicopter tilts forward like that, it's it going to move that forward way. and up. Like, for goodness <sighs> sake. Silly stuff. It's it's just... You just go, oh, you set that up. Yeah. yeah. Like, That's a set piece. And like when the, when the motorcycle jumps over the oh, helicopter, yeah. you know, it's... They did that stunt for real. So, great. That's very impressive. Mm, we should be on our feet about that. But... It comes after just constant, constant, like, just, yeah, adrenaline bait. Yeah. And I think it, it, it's, it tries to get you too adrenalized too often. Um, it's a and, strange... and so you're fatigued. Yeah, it is a you're fatigue. You're fatigued. It's a fatigue. Because you, you're never really mm. satisfied with the conclusion of an action sequence. Mm. The only giddy thrill that I have in this film is with and we'll talk about him later but Dr. Kaufman yes yes Dr. Oh, yeah. Kaufman forever <laughs> or a tattoo yeah. of Dr. Dr. Kaufman. Kaufman 2020 <laughs> Dr. Kaufman 2020 <laughs> um, but uh, so the pre-title sequence you right so you were you weren't on board Darby and you were shaky I was yeah I was definitely shaky Right. I was definitely shaky because you felt like you're in a kind of safe set of hands in a weird way. In I a weird like, way, I was yeah. like, I'm willing to go with this. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. yeah. It wasn't an, it wasn't a, a complete rejection. Yeah. I was like, okay, sure, it's going to be. What about a lot of guns and explosions? What about you, Commander? Mm. Uh, yeah, I, it? I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Probably the most I ever have. Uh, you know, watching that. Mm. Uh, there was, there was. A, oh no, no, it's not up there at it's all. It's not up it's there. It's not up there at all. No, mm. no way. It's not even in the in the in the game. 
It's not in the top ten. Yeah, mm. it's bottom. It's bottom half. Bottom tier bomb. Sure. <laughs> it's not the worst, but it's just not good enough to be. I don't know to be memorable. Mm. But I, I will say there is that thing which I said in the preconceived notions of watching it with other people and being able to go, ah, oh, that was interesting. Oh, how was that? Mm. Oh, man, that looked pretty cool. You know, there was yeah. enough of that to make me go. Hmm. You know what really enjoyed this? What really rubbed me the wrong way was the way in which the characters in the film celebrated the arrival and victory of Bond. If oh, in the uh, in, in the situation room, yes, the, yes, the clapping and all that kind of was stuff. that in the pre-title? That wasn't yeah, the pre-title. Yeah. I was really yeah. like, are you cheering James Bond 007, the character who's existed for all these years, or are you cheering the guy that's in the field? For you. Yeah. What I, reality are you in right now? Yeah. Are you cheering him? Wouldn't you be more like, oh, thank goodness oh, we got, got through we it. Let's him. kind of celebrate well, quietly. Well, that's, that's the know? thing. It should be that thing of, oh, my God, thank God we avoided a nuclear it's like, disaster. Oh, my God, James Bond! Yes! Yeah! <laughs> He'll be back soon. And that's, that's where I really made up my mind about the pre-type. I was going, oh, you know, you no, that's not good. Well, yeah. how, wh- how did you make your mind up about um, Daniel Kleinman's uh, second attempt at a Bond, Bond uh, title sequence? He's very good. It's, it's I mean, yeah. he really masters he's it. He knows I, what he's doing. It was impressive. That, yeah. I think, got me more in the mood than anything else. Yeah. Like, seeing that, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Yes. Yeah. He, oh, my God. Great imagery. Great stuff. Amazing. The, that- Incredible technology too. The, <laughs> the, the, the I don't know what you call it, but you know all of that kind of stuff. The it's binary seductress. Kind of, yeah, and she kind of. <laughs> oh yeah, and all the lifts the, up out of the surface. You know, all the, the kind RGB of circuit strips all yeah, over yeah. them from the yeah. from the old CRT monitors uh-huh. and that just kind of. Yeah, oh. body wrap. They the X-ray, blue, white, kind of high contrast. Well, it's like the scanners at the airport kind of thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. With, with guns, you can kind of see all the way through them. Wait, was that in the film? No. No, no. I remember you asking, does he get X-rayed yeah. or something like that? Yeah. No. And I think I said yes, but I was thinking of The World Is Not Enough. Yeah, because that's what I was... Because yeah. I had an image in my head yeah. of it. Yeah, it's no. X-ray specs. That's right. Oh, oh really? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. We know what to expect <laughs> there, folks. Oh, hey, no. you wanted this. You wanted this, Jake. You were like, oh, yeah, gadgets. Give me gadgets. Give me gadgets. You can never have too many gadgets. I'm Jake Spear. That's the Jake Spear guarantee. <laughs> Straight from the bloody horse's mouth. Oh, I've got a quote. I've got it here in writing. <laughs> Good song. Good song. Yeah. You, uh, yeah. yeah. So you I like the on song. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I, I, mm. I think it's a you can really see a clear progression between this to Adele to Billie, to yeah. Billie Eilish. I think. Yeah. It's, yeah. What What is it about that? Because when you said that, I had, I had not thought of that. Yeah, because right. some people have compared um, Billie Eilish's song, obviously, with the writings on the wall and uh, Skyfall. Right. Mm-hmm. But she's also had comparisons made with Garbage's uh, "The World Is Not Enough." Right. Um, which you boys haven't listened to yet. No. But I'd be interested, what was it about the Cheryl Crow song that you felt was the the kind of... Sort of sensitivity to it. Yeah, it's funny. Mm. For me, there seems to be a real 180 in terms of what a Bond theme song sounds like. Watching all of these films, it began with Goldfinger. Like, that it's that big 
John Barry score with that massive Brassy Barry. Brassy Bassy. Brassy Bassy on a Barry track. Big, <laughs> big brassy sounds with that belting voice. That's Bond, right? Yeah, yeah. And when you listen to Katie Lang. Oh, that her surrender? version. Of, oh, yeah, that surrender beautiful. track. Tough choice. Love it. Absolutely love it, but yeah. it's an it, it's it's an echo back to a, a different era and a different type of Bond song. I think there's two types of Bond songs. Mm. There's the big brassy ones with big belting vocals, mm. and then you've got these other Sheryl Crow, Billie Eilish, Adele type songs, which some of them still have big notes in them, mm. but they're which I don't think Sheryl Crow hits all of. No, <laughs> she might be a little bit flat there. I don't know. We'd have to go back to. Maybe she need a bit of auto tune, but I don't know. Um, sorry, Cheryl. Um, love you, Cheryl. There's, yeah, I do love you. Um, but the, <laughs> but that more intimate, on mic, sensitive, very seductive, very uh, sensual yes. sound of mm. luring you in. All right, here's one for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's a fact check. It's a oh fact my god. Um, so I'm going to run through the title songs. So your they're our categories A and B. Yeah, we're gonna say category A is uh, "Brassy Bassy on a Barry Track." It's also the masculine song. Well, hang on, we'll get there. Yeah. Hang on, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they might fit into either of these categories. True, Brassy Bassy. Yeah. We got a Brassy Bassy on a Barry Track. Yep, and we've got uh, <laughs> uh, close to the mic. With a Bre- of breathy, with a, yeah. seductive, yeah. Sens- uh, sensual, yeah. sensitive, um, breathy, uh, uh, s- sensitive Cheryl. <laughs> Close to the mic. Righto. So, right. Brassy Barry on a Barry Drag and Sensitive Cheryl close to the mic. Okay, great. Uh, let's go through the themes that we've Can heard we call so her a breathy far. Cheryl? I oh, just like the... I love the alliteration. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold firm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, the films that we've seen so far, Goldfinger, obviously. That's a Brassy Barry on a Barry Drag. That's a Brassy... A Brassy Barry on a Barry Drag. My apologies. On a Barry. You Only Live Twice. That's that's a Cheryl Crow. That's a Cheryl Crow. Yeah, that's the beginnings of yeah. Honor Majesty's instrumental, so yeah. it doesn't really fit into either. Mm-hmm. Diamonds are forever. Brassy, 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 Brassy on a Barry. Live and let die. Barry, Brassy, Brassy, that's Bassy. a Brassy, Brassy yeah, on a Barry. That's a Brassy, Brassy on a Barry. Live and let die. Yeah, yeah. Spy who loved me. Uh, refresh me. Come on, you said it was your favourite song. It was only last week. Oh, n- no, nobody, nobody yeah, does nobody better. Doesn't nobody better. Does better. That's, that's, a, that's a Cheryl Crow. That's a Cheryl. That's a sensitive that, Cheryl. That's a on close, yeah. close to the mic. Sensitive shy Cheryl. Shy Cheryl. Shy Cheryl. That's a shy Cheryl close to the mic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what would be the next one? Oh, all time high. Shy Cheryl, I think. Is oh, all wait. time high? Octopusy. Octopusy. Oh yeah. Uh, All I wanted was a sweet distraction. Shy Cheryl. It's a Shy Cheryl. This is a Shy Cheryl. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Shy Cheryl. Yeah, right. Uh, wait, the Living Daylights? Oh, dear. Um, that's a bad one. It's in a third category of Isn't its own <laughs> shithouse. <laughs> <laughs> Mistake. Um, what's What would you say? Okay, so what's that third category then? No, hang on. Sing us the yeah. song again. Well, I might, I'm not might, good at singing. I want to hear it. Uh, uh, it's that... Hey, drive where we going? Yeah, I swear my nerves are showing. Oh, Set my hopes up way too high. Living's in the 
way we die. That's right. That's right. That's Dude, right. very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. Uh, that's aha, isn't it? Is that aha. That's the aha track. <laughs> that's kind of almost a shy Cheryl. Yeah, really? it's definitely more of a shy Cheryl than mm. a brassy. Bassy. It's sort of a shy it's Cheryl. It's kind of its own thing, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, there's no it's other the category C. Well, I struggle to the shit bin. Place yeah. you know, <laughs> put it in shit the bin. bin. Put it in the bin because I think there's another one in there too that should be in the bin. Yes, I think oh, we'll get to it. <laughs> uh, so the next one is License to Kill. Mm. Bra- that's brassy bassy. Brassy bassy. On a very track. track. Uh, Goldmine. So then we've got Sensitive Cheryl. 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 Shy Cheryl. Shy Cheryl close to the mic. And then Die Another Day. It's all put it in the bin. Put it in the bin. Put it in the bin. But if it's going to try and be anything, it's a Shy Cheryl. If it's going to try. You think? Leans to a Shy Cheryl. 100%. Another day. It's so breathy and on mic. Yeah, okay. See, I would say. That the Cheryl Crow track is trying to be a brassy bassy. Really? Yeah, particularly when it gets into its chorus. She's like, Until me! <laughs> <laughs> she hits the note about as well as I did just then. Like, it's, oh my god. Oh, she goes, you <laughs> She's going so into her falsetto. Like it just doesn't feel. She doesn't supported. have the chest voice. Yeah, she for doesn't it. have no, the. She no. doesn't have the support. But for as I say, I think the shy Cheryl type songs, like Skyfall, like No Time to Die, uh, when they're supported by an artist with the capacity, they right. have the ability to have soaring notes. Nobody does it better. Like Skyfall does. Right, because mm. I would have said that Skyfall is more a brassy bassy really? on a battery track. Oh, I don't know. When brassy goes... bassy. Yeah, I think Skyfall is a brassy bassy. Really? It's got a brassy bassy, but it's got a shy Cheryl tonality. It's got it. It teases you at the start with, with a shy Cheryl. Cheryl, and then it. Do you think it spends more time brassy as bassies. a shy Cheryl or more time as a brassy bassy? I think brassy maybe bassy. no. Well, hang on. I think it might spend more time as a shy Cheryl in terms of no, time. No. Time. Let the song. sky fall. It's the sky all fall. up there. Mm. Where you go, I go. You got a great range. Like it's that. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like that's that's Cheryl Crow. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not Cheryl Crow. <laughs> <laughs> it is. No, it's it Bassy. Ding, 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 ding. That's Bassy. Bassy. That's Bassy. You can hear Bassy going. Where you go, I go. Yes, you can. Oh, but yes, it's you not can. that. It's like, not that can. at all. But you, you can't. Go, you, go. No, but you it's see, not. It's, it's not Cheryl Crow. It's right there. Where you go, I go. Hang on. Hang on. Okay. Yeah. It's here. It's a. Where you go, I go. You see, I see. Yeah, it's yeah, all just yeah. Oh, it will never be me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of. That's a reality. You do that to it. Yeah, that's what she does to it. <laughs> I think it's only towards that back end where disagree. Adele opens up. You know. <laughs> so, what would you say is of that? Mm. Is the brassy bassy? We've gone sh- seriously <laughs> sidetracked. <laughs> oh, the shy Cheryl, the, the main Bond sound. Too hard. I think it's a mix of the two. It's or the has it become? Rich. Is there like a transition? I think it's transitioned. Yeah. I think it started off as brassy bassy. Brassy bassy. Brassy bassy. 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 Sorry, Please. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Dialect. <laughs> brassy bassy. Brassy bassy. It started off as that, but I think nowadays. It's transitioning into we want more of that shy Cheryl close to wow. Mike. Yeah. Sam Smith, Billie Eilish. You know my name. 
You know my name? See, that's the That's rock. a brassy bassy. See, I think you know my... Yeah, you know my mm. name is like a live and let die type. Yeah, it is. You know, mm. it's almost like a subcategory of the brassy and, bassy. And, and, and another way to die is a brassy bassy. Is a kind of rocky is, brassy bassy. It, is. it definitely is. Mm. It's a sub subcategory of mm. <laughs> those things. It's almost like when men do brassy bassy, it's that weird subcategory of almost like, like Tom Jones. Rock. Tom Jones' Thunderball, which no, we haven't heard no. yet. Tom Jones' Thunderball is brassy bass. Yes, it is. It's it clearly. is. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But when yeah, the Jake, men listen. do it, it's but a no slightly sub- different... No, there's one It's or a the slightly other. different feel. <laughs> it's not as... Uh, I want you. It's more like, <laughs> I have you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, good. Well, you like the song then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah right. All right. What do you prefer? What do you think works the best? It's surrender. Out of the two. Surrender or Tomorrow Never Dies? Whichever one I'm listening to. I think they're really even. Right. Uh, I don't know if there's one that suits the, the film better. I think the Sheryl Crow one fits probably the film better. suits the film. That's probably mm. why it won out. Yeah. Because but there's not. Well, yeah. the main reason it won out is because they wanted someone more bankable. Than Katie Lang. Than Katie Lang. She wasn't bankable at the time. No, she wasn't really like sort of more huge pop star, right? Which Cheryl Crow was because she had her number one hit out at the time. All I want to do is have some fun. Oh, I had a feeling she's not. She's not the only one. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And um, you know, she had (laughs) that kind of uh, thing going for. I didn't know you guys were Cheryl Crow fans. (laughs) Excuse me, I'm a massive Cheryl Crow fan. (laughs) I'm not a shy Cheryl. I'm a brassy bassy on a crop sensitive I think for my money, what gets me more in the mood is a brassy bassy. Me too. I think if something's going to amp me up. Yeah. Nobody does it better, really. really well, see, I think that's the only exception to mm. the rule for me. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. The, no, I'm with you. I'd prefer a brassy bassy. Yeah. Do, if I'm being honest with myself. I like, I like it going... Fucking buckle up, buckaroos. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. you know my name when you know my mother. Well, you know my bed. <laughs> I'm having a stroke. Um, when you know my name starts playing after he shoots into cool. the gun barrel. Mm-hmm. Mm. You're it's pumped. It's a great song. Oh, it's a great it's amazing. song. Amazing. Yeah. You're pumped. Yeah. You're ready. Yeah. When you hear Goldeneye, that is just like Live and let you're die. ready. Pumped. Live, Live and, and let, let die. die. Ready. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) There is something about No Time to Die that just feels so painful Mm. and so rip your heart out. It doesn't get me pumped, but it Jesus, I tell you what, well, gets the anticipation. It's it's killing me. Mm. I've been waiting to say this on the podcast. The anticipation. (laughs) Yeah, far out. Um, I've been waiting to say this on the podcast actually for a while because. My feeling with No Time to Die is that it is, it's the anti nobody does it better. Oh. You listen to the tone, to, to, the, to the, um, the lyrics and the message of nobody does it better. It's full of hope and love and it's, a, it's cherishing James Bond. James Bond. Mm. Whereas No Time to Die is going, him a little bit. it's almost like it's sung from the same perspective, but after... Mm. the spy has loved kind of like a bitter divorce it is it's that Mm. thing of going like just those lines of like was I you know reckless to help 
Mm. Was it obvious to everybody else? You know, that I've fallen for a lie. Mm. It's this whole thing of like, you know, you were never on my side, blah, blah, blah. I could sing the whole thing. I would like you to. Oh, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like, yeah, No Time to Die, I think, is one of the best Bond themes that I've heard in a very, very long time. You heard it here first, folks. I really love it. I really love it. What What are your opinions on it? We might as well. I adore it. it. I no adore time it. to die. Yeah. Yep, I think I you've it. spoken about it on the podcast. Oh, actually, did we? When it came I think out. we mentioned yeah. briefly, yeah. yeah but yeah. I'm going to say it now. Yeah. It's a top tenner for me. Could Ooh. even be top five. It depends on how it sits in the film. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Not just as a standalone? Because I think if a song doesn't match its film, yeah. it's a bit like. Because I can listen yeah. to Another Way to Die outside of Quantum of Solace and I actually quite enjoy it I can listen to it as a song it has to emerge from the story from yeah. the feeling and I watch film. it in Quantum of Solace and I'm like this has nothing mm-hmm. to do with that film mm-hmm. nothing whatsoever and that affects your opinion of the song it itself does. Mm-hmm. it does yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah because it just doesn't suit the film and they're written for a film Exactly. Yes, they're emerging out of purpose. the film yeah, that's why they're, we have them they're yeah. essentially a scene in the film um, well, we've talked about that for long enough. <laughs> uh, the plot of this film. Yeah. Jake, tell me what the plot of this film was. This, the, the plot of this film... Um, Dave, you can help him if you like. That I just saw, <laughs> uh, that we just yes, watched. We've got... Uh, we, we, we have a media tycoon. Oh, yes, we do. Tell folks at home what a media tycoon is. Media tycoon <laughs> is, is... Owns and runs a company... Yep, a yep. media company, a multimedia media company. company. And he wants to use his media power yep. to become a, a supreme leader. Well, yeah, just to have global influence. Yes. He wants to be able to steer humanity through his his media control of the mm. newspapers, of television, of radio, of, mm. of everything. Very Rupert Murdoch, very... Murdoch, yes. Murdoch, very Steve Jobs... <laughs> Steve um, yeah, years. it's an interesting film to watch mm. in the age of yes. Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Rupert Murdoch, fake news, mm-hmm. fake yeah, the era of Trump and fake news, yeah. like or like, yeah. and then James Bond he comes in onto the scene and he's like, no, <laughs> he's like, I won't have any of this yeah. nonsense. Time for a station break. So not yeah. only does this media tycoon want to control the world through his media, mm-hmm. he's got himself a stealth boat. He does. He does. He's gone and got, got, got himself it. a stealth boat. Yeah. What does he do with that? Dirt he goes and gets he gets boat. the old stealth boat and it's yeah, got a big old drill to. on it. A big Ooh, his yeah. big, big deal. old drill boy. His big deal is that he can kind of. Uh, orchestrate world war moments and have it appear through the media as being uh, a real so China attacks uh, wait what country is it? England China, does China? Yeah. yeah China attacks well, England well but it's his doing yeah because mm. he's got an encoder on the stealth ship that yes, makes the does. English look to, on their radar Doesn't. they think they're in international waters uh-huh. yes but they're actually in Chinese territorial waters so the uh the MIGs are flying over. The Chinese MIGs are flying over, and um, <laughs> they. Uh, What's a MIG, Brandon? What's a MIG? Uh, well, tell the folks back home. A- MIG <laughs> stands for um, men in uh, gear. Men in gear. Um, men in gear aircrafts. They were uh, very big in the nineties. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. They've since been decommissioned because uh, uh, we now use shooty shooty bang bangs. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Shooty shooty, which bang-bangs. are much more uh, stealthy. Right, gotcha. Yeah, right, and okay. they shoot a bit more. So why does he? Ha- so he's he does this thing. We meet this stealth boat. 
Yeah, he's staging these, or kind of trying to kick off these huge, you know, wars and pitting superpowers against superpowers so he can cover it in the media and sort and of manipulate governments and manipulate people through the media. That's cunning. Mm, that's that's yeah. pretty much it, right? It's that is, yeah. yeah. And he also wants exclusive um, broadcast rights that's in the China main thing for that 100 years. Why China specifically, I think, is because he wants... <laughs> but yes, Darby <laughs> swears that he says on 50. set 50, 50 and has been dubbed to say 100. 100. It's like 50 years, that's nothing. There's no Fs. <laughs> Double that. There's no, no, no Fs we need to get in 100. <laughs> For 500 years. <laughs> 500? 500. <laughs> 500. And then there's, what's the uh, kind of B story? Is there one? Well, Is there one? I don't know. Yeah, what? I don't know. Mm. It, would the B story be Paris and his whole kind of backstory love with... Well, she's, no, just a, she's a means she's to an end of... to infiltrate. Yeah. Well, not even to... That, that, that's the thing I don't really understand about that whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is Bond is meant to be getting in with her, her being Paris Carver, played by Terry Hatcher, uh-huh. pumping her uh, for information, to pump her for, her information for information because he's had a previous relationship with her, which yes. is something that I think is interesting. It's not uh, been done in. A I was fascinated Bond by it. I, I didn't think it, it worked. Great potential. It didn't work, but the idea has potential. It does. It does. Um, I, I would have loved it if she had been someone like if it had been. I mean, it's a bit obvious, but like Natalia Simonova from the previous film. Yeah. Or have um, Sylvia Trench from the first two Bond films. Yeah, right. Who's Bond's um, girlfriend, essentially, in the first two films in Flash uh, with Love and Dr. No. It's a fan, fan theory that a lot of people have had is that they're like, well, not so much a theory, but what wishful thinking most fans have had was that it would be like... It would make more sense mm. if it had been someone that we'd already seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then we would have some sort of, uh, not stake, what, what am I trying to say? Connection? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. There, there would be... Well, there's, you, an extra would... Buy, there's an extra level of buy-in, so we yes. care if stuff happens to it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly Whereas it. Whereas for us, it's a brand new character. It might as well be anyone. You have to, it's, a, it's a tough pill to swallow. They might as well make it a little bit easier for you. Yeah. Yes. Give, yeah. Her, mm. g- give us history to her as well mm. as mm. Bond, yeah. right? But he doesn't get any information from her. Aside it from the trap door on the at roof. At the top of the roof, like, come on, come that on. was it. Mm, surely there's schematics wasn't the for plan. the building he could have and, and this is where I start to go, I go, oh, I, and I know it's the writing, mm. but it's also the way it's played in that scene, mm. is when Bond is like immediately and on the nose, very adversarial with Jonathan Carver. Uh, Jonathan Carver, Elliot Carver, Jonathan Price's uh, character. Yeah. Where he's like, oh, I, I, I wouldn't know anything about that. I'd be lost at sea, adrift. Ah, oh, your satellites and their global positioning systems. Ah, oh, you. Mur-. He's essentially going, oh, you murdered all those sailors in the in the Chinese Sea. Yeah. Oh. Like it's just so on the nose. It's like you're a, you're a fucking horrible spy. Yeah. <laughs> You're coming on way too strong, mate. Way too strong. Hopeless Bond. And then it's like he gets taken in the back by the goons. He gets what? (laughs) (laughs) Taken out the back, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) 
He gets taken out the back by the goons, who are all like retirement age. Yeah, it's like so weird. It's like the stonemasons. Strange sound design. No, oh, weird yeah. sound design. <laughs> get the drop on him. Mm. But there's no, there's no point. Ah, oh, there's no point. There's no point. It's for a Bond messy to be plot. Getting into there. It's a messy plot. Like the way it is, Bond didn't need to be at that party. And he'd actually be better off if he hadn't gone to that party because Elliot Carver wouldn't know who the fuck he is. Yeah, if you're exactly. going to expose yourself like that and put a face to your name, yeah. make it for a bloody good reason. Be a yeah. good spy. Be a good spy. And have the, have the Paris character, have him run into her accidentally, her realise who it is, mm. and him trying to be like, don't. Don't don't, don't give this, this away for me. Yeah. Mm. Don't give this That's away a real for threat. me. Yeah. Because then her quote unquote betrayal of Elliot is less an out and out betrayal. Because I for one, I don't fucking buy that there's any romance between Elliot Carver and her. Like no. why did she marry him? Yeah. Like why? For just for the money? Like, come on, you have That's to give strange. us you have to give us more than that. Mm. Um I just feel like there's there's a better film then. And you get more mileage out of out of her character, and in turn you make it more personal, mm. and you make Bond more vulnerable. Yeah, which ups the stakes. You can still have your massive <clears throat> bloody you know camp cookout on the stealth ship at the end. Camp <laughs> 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 <Get a> cookout. <laughs> but yeah, that's essentially the that's essentially the plot. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's kind of it. Any questions? <laughs> I, there was a period in the middle where I stopped following the plot so I don't know if I missed a massive kind of deviation or anything well, super important as soon as he jumps out of the plane and we're focused on the ship and then all of a sudden we turn up in why Vietnam. does he jump out of the plane why does he have to do that why does it have to be a halo jump well he's, he's got to yeah. he's got to it's a remote part of the South China he's Sea gotta be, uh, he's got to be he's got to be stealthy I think if stealthy. you turn up in the South China Sea with uh, a ship alright yeah, yeah I'll give you it I'll give you it it yep. just feels just so wasted. It's definitely not earned, I don't think. Well, uh, maybe it is earned, it, but I just think... How again, a naval we... commander know how to do a halo jump? I don't know. I will say, though, uh, probably my personal favourite outfit in the film. Is What's his it? naval outfit? His halo jump outfit. I thought it was... Pr- really? It's pretty cool. Oh. It was pretty... It was pretty, yeah. it was pretty yeah. stealthy. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got any problems with the plot? With the plot? Well, yes. No, I mean, well... Yeah, yeah, without going into too much detail, I think the general gist of it, like I said... Oh, go into detail. I think the general gist of it is really fascinating. I think this whole idea of of media control Hmm. and and that influence and attention being the modern commodity, Mm -hmm. it's really... I'm with you nowadays. The the advent of Facebook and misinformation and controlling society through media. Absolutely, that's a Bond villain. It is. That's a Bond villain. For sure. Mm. Um, Even the fact that I think they made him specifically look like Steve Jobs was a nod to that, I think. Yeah, so because when you said that when we were watching it, this will be for the fact check next week. Mm. Yeah. Was Steve Jobs known for his iconic turtleneck? Well, I don't think it's a black shirt and the glasses and yeah, yeah, and his jeans. I know that he was he was always launching product. I I I don't know if the particular aesthetic is important so much. I think that's a coincidence. 
right. with the glasses and the hair and yeah. the, and the look. But I think the kind of celebrity aspect yeah, is very Steve Jobs. I, I would say that again, he had that hadn't. Been yes, it had. Yes, it oh, had. by the nineties, yeah. he'd been booted out of Macintosh. Yeah, he'd, been he'd booted come out. back. He'd, yeah. he'd, he he'd was done all, all sorts in, of product launches. Forbes and Wired magazine. Yeah, yeah. He was, oh, right. he was yeah. big time. He was but absolutely. was he that cult status yes. that he had by the two thousand? He was the absolutely. guy. He was, was he the really? guy that That's built yeah. the Mac in his garage. Like, yeah. the whole yeah. Yeah. mythos. Because when the iPod came out, that was like the culmination of that celebrity. Because I thought the nineties was was Gates's decade. It was. Oh, for sure. It was absolutely. And then Jobs came back. Jobs was still sowing the seeds at this point. He was still an important kind of person. Where I disagree with Darby, I think I think it was a very conscious choice to make Elliot look like Steve Jobs. Oh, okay. I disagree. With the glasses, with the short white hair, with the turban. Alright, I'll find out for me in a fact check then. I'm requesting a fact check here. I'm putting in an official form for a fact check. Alright, alright, it's been submitted. Uh, (laughs) When did Steve Jobs start doing all that Steve Jobs shit? (laughs) (laughs) It's sitting on Money Money Penny's desk. I'll get it in the morning. Tell her to get it done. I don't want small bone on this. Yeah, yeah, I don't want small bone. <laughs> I don't fuck with small bone. No, we want full money better. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, look, I, I mean, in terms of plot specifics, by the time we get to Vietnam, that's when I'm starting to zone out and it's starting to turn into wacky, yep. die another day potential. And least favourite location for me is that whole section in Vietnam. Mm. Where they whole... do the Jackie Chan scene? Yeah, the fight scene in her little kind of safe house. Oh, yeah. See, I don't mind... That. That's kind of cool. I don't mind that in the safe house, uh, but the stuff in his uh, uh, when they get ca- so once they get captured, his Chinese headquarters. His oh no no in Vietnam, still in Vietnam. It is Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. his uh, headquarters where they go down the banner. Yes. Oh, uh, and then the motorbike yeah. chase. Yeah. I felt like I was in police story. Oh yeah. Police story. Oh, the Jackie Chan film. Jackie Chan film. Yeah, when they were falling down that banner and doing. <laughs> oh all yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It's. Mm. I mean, definitely inspired. I think for yeah. sure. Yeah. Favorite location. What were the locations in this? Let's let's go through them. We've got London, South China Sea, South China Sea, Vietnam. Um, the boat. It's quite a bit in London. The stealth boat. Yeah, stealth yeah, boat, the boat is a location. Is, I guess the South China Sea. Mm-hmm. Um, what where are else the, do we go? Well, we we go to um, where 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 does he brush up on a little Danish? Uh, that is, I want to say. Cambridge. Oh, he's at Cambridge. Yes, you're right. You're right because he drives the DB5. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, it's parked at right, the front of Cambridge. Cambridge. Yes, it is. Yes. Where else do we go, Dali? <laughs> <laughs> Tell the folks at home where we go. Uh, oh, Russia. We go, uh, well, near the Russian Still border. Near, near the, somewhere Russia. near the Russian <laughs> border. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Um, we also go to I think Austria is where. What? <laughs> no, I think. we don't go to When? Explain yourself. When? When he oh, launches? Avis. When he launches at his headquarters? Avis. Yes, Avis. yes, you're right. Yeah, because that's where the. Um, Sorry, what was that? Yes, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Fucking hell! This is what we have to put up with. This shit. Um, uh, no, though. you're right because. Um, On what? <laughs> A correct statement was made by someone in this room. Um, yeah, because the car park and the return of the Avis rental 
and the launch of that that is that's yeah Austria I want to say Austria I think yeah because she speaks in in uh, Deutsche mm-hmm. at, <laughs> in the uh, when everything goes to shit yes at the launch Bond cuts the power and everything yeah, time for a station break not his yes. best line mm. that's kind of, it's a bit disappointing oh. I think it's an example of many yeah, like isn't that. it? Isn't yeah, it? That's, Just, that's a pretty. That's a, I think brush up on a little Danish is actually the best one in the. It is <laughs> very good. <laughs> um, it's just got the right level of raunchiness without it being too like. Ooh, that's a bit. Die another day. Yeah, yeah. Apart from that, there's not too many other standout locations. Favorite location? The stealth boat. Stealth boat. Yeah, I mean, I'll give a, I'll give a nod to um, Waylin's safe house. Yep. I think that's a pretty cool location. It was nice to see the man with the golden gun. Well, no, it wasn't sorry. the island. It mm. wasn't the island from Man with the Golden Gun. It's not? No, no. I think it's just a very similar no. set of... Yeah, uh, Man with the well, Golden Gun in Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> you like I that? I like yes. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my favourite... My favorite, well, it's more a set than a location. But, but I it's guess a, like, on the script. Uh, yeah, it it's would be uh, the HMS Devonshire. Mm-hmm. The oh, sub yeah. that got sunk. Yeah, that was a cool sub. The, yeah. the ship that ship. got sunk. Not a sub. My apologies. <laughs> subterranean. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. I called it a sub because it was um, submerged. Submerged. Most of the film. Yeah, I was, I was speaking in abbreviations. Right. Yeah, right, yeah. right, um, right. And if you'd let me finish, I would have said he would have gotten there. Merged ship. You of need course. to let people finish. Well, you know what? Yeah, you're a dirty devil. Um, <laughs> Uh, least favorite location for me, it's the whole stuff, all the stuff in Vietnam. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not as dirty on Vietnam as you seem to be. Yeah, I'm not dirty uh, on Vietnam. Well, it sounds I'm like I'm dirty yeah. on the way they've put it together because they just make it look like dusty, dirty, and muddy. Mm. And I, I don't really mind would seeing Bond in that. Neither type do of I. Environment. But I would also like to see Bond in an Asian country and it not feel like it's just poverty around him. I think China comes across all right. We don't go to China though in, in this. No, not in this. Oh no, no. But but in a lot of these films, when he goes to Asia, mm. it's the oh, time to get rough and yeah, tough and yeah. all that kind of stuff. It's like nah, there's yeah. some pretty fucking amazing stuff around there and. I don't know. I would just like to see Bond get to a location like that and and maybe actually enjoy the location a little bit. Yeah, go see Tokyo, mate. Yeah. I hate the way they <laughs> style the Vietnamese office too. It looks like something out of bloody Street Fighter or what what, yeah, what did you Mortal say? Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Oh, the red and black. I think my least favorite, although it had a nice visual appeal, her little place that turned into a Oh, the safe house. Q okay. office. I didn't like when it turned into the Q office. Oh, I thought dude. that was very Roger Moore. Oh, and, well, that's uh, And not very Pierce Brosnan world. Oh. See, that's yeah. what we mean. It's like, is it Connery or is it Roger yeah. Moore? Oh, yeah. yeah, Because all of a sudden you do. You've got a very Ken Adams type set with, you know, walls rotating and computers coming so out. out of place. Weird gadgets and things yeah. like that popping mm. up. You go... It was yeah. like a Roger Moore Q scene. It, it is. Was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, speaking of a Roger Moore Q scene, the gadgets... Plenty there of There was them. a lot of them. Yeah. And you asked for this. <laughs> <laughs> you're a dirty devil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was quite a lot. Tell us. 
Um, come on. I mean, start. where do you want to start? I mean, let's start at the beginning. You've yeah, got the, a very good place you've got the camcorder in the snow on the Russian border. That's will we say a that's a gadget? Camcorder. That's gear. That's a camcorder. Oh, it's a camera. Yeah. What? You never heard of a camera? You never heard of a camera? Uh, didn't look like too much of a gun for you, did it? <laughs> you got a problem with that camera? Okay. Um, I mean, the ones that come to mind are the gadgets that are no, in, tell us in all the of them. BMW. The fact that the BMW is remote controlled. That's the biggest gadget in this film. Is, yeah. the, is the car. It's mm. jam-packed full. You get a whole car chase Very sequence. Very convenient gadgets too. Remotely controlled. Very convenient. Well, very Con- convenient gadgets. Gadgets that are pretty well set up I think you know I think in the first cue scene it's like this does this this does that that might come in handy and pretty much all of them get used and then there are some that we just were never introduced to like the the, the, the hood ornament coming out with the oh the blade that cuts the yeah, wire cuts the... you must have read the instruction manual yeah must have finally mm. finally yeah but, um, but like you mentioned like I thought the glass was bulletproof and it's like, well, it's bulletproof until, until it needs, we need it. Yeah, to, we need it to not be. Yeah, <laughs> until yeah, yeah. we we need to be able because to shoot a rocket through, through it. the car. Yeah. That's the only reason. Yeah. That that pissed me off. Actually, yeah. that was a moment for me where I went, yeah, I'm not enjoying this. It mm. was the it was the moment where I went, ooh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm really not enjoying this. Yep. Is when the guy stood out in the middle of a car park with a rocket launcher. Why did he bring that? Yeah, did he might have needed it. that. They were coming to jack his car and and take and the, just take the encoder thing. Why did they need to bring a fucking rocket Bazooka. launcher to that? It reminds me of the Blues Brothers. <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> just there's there's a scene in the Blues Brothers where where um, where uh, the late great Carrie Fisher is following Dan Aykroyd oh, and, yes. and and Jim Belushi around Jim John Jim. John. John Belushi. Oh, that's true. Jim Belushi. No, it's yeah. not Jim Belushi. No, no, it's because it's according to Jim. So it's John, John Belushi. Belushi. And she's following them around trying to assassinate them and she always, every time, she, she appears like three or four times throughout the film and every With time really she's got intense a weaponry. weaponry. And she's like uh, studying right. instruction manuals for rocket launchers and she I just... I don't know if I've seen that film. Oh, really? We need to watch that. Oh, it's yeah. a great I th- Like, I think I saw it on TV as a kid, but yeah, never yeah, like... It's an incredible film. Oh, brilliant. attention to it all. Just mm. brilliant. Held the record for the most cars totaled in a car. Yes, it's car so funny. I've seen there. that. Um, yeah, look, I mean, the spikes that come out of the back of the car, the rockets yeah. that are on the car. There's the reinflating tyres. The reinflating tyres. The car is jam-packed. Unfortunately, the car looks like a pile of poo. Uh, but we'll get I'd to the, drive it. We'll get to the vehicles. You and your bloody BMWs. I would have we'll driven get to it the in vehicles 97. Later. I'd drive it today. Um, look, <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate it. There was something quite classy about, I think it was a gold lighter that he threw in the pre-title sequence yes. as a as, as a as little an grenade. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. I actually quite I, we weren't introduced to it. I don't quite understand it, but I felt it was very gadgety. Uh, the weird kind of mini explosive that he tapes to the glass jar that he yes. pulls from somewhere and puts the grenade in it to fracture the yeah glass. fracture that the glass. came out of the watch didn't uh-huh. it yeah I think so I think it was it... retrieved from what's that? so hard to understand well, I'm sorry because <laughs> that watch he doesn't get from Q he, no, he pulls gets it from that her. from from Wei Lin's safe safe house safe in shack. Vietnam. radio shack yeah uh, <laughs> because she says same with his new we made some Walter um, P ninety nine adjustments. Yeah. Which they didn't like give a close up to. They did, yeah. They did. Yeah, oh, very quick, like kind of flip over one. It's yeah. like, ah, oh, look, it's a, a bigger gun. Ooh. Which, 
I don't know. I, I've heard that it's a very good gun. I don't really know much about guns. We need to talk to the Bond Armoury. We do need to talk to Ray, actually, about that. Is it a good um, gun? Yeah, is it a good gun? I'm sure he has a video on it. If he does, it, you should check his um, YouTube channel out. Um, but I prefer the Walter PPK purely because it's it's easier to to hide yeah. in, a, in a suit jacket. Yeah. Mm. That that P ninety nine looks like a big bulky clock. American cop. Gun. It's an American cop gun. That's yeah. American exactly American, American cowboy. <laughs> and it feeds into this whole idea that I think is a misstep for the Bonds. There's been several of them around this diehard blockbuster American heyday. Uh, stunts. You <laughs> 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 got any standouts? Hmm. I mean, look, you said it before. I think the the motorbike jumping over um, helicopters, oh, they obviously did that for real. Mm-hmm. But it's no damn jump. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, they, they Wh- Wayland's fighting. Wayland's fighting. Good yeah, stunt. That good. was definitely a standout fight mm. scene. I think that was least favorite best. stunt was the the falling down the banner, <laughs> the ripping down yeah, the yeah. side yeah. of the building, didn't, and didn't then smashing through the down. window. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't feel. Um, I don't know. It didn't feel resourceful. It felt like the movie was like, well, you have to use the banner. Well, the way that they jumped out of the window Mm. of that building onto a ledge that they just somehow knew was Was there. there? Like, they run full pelt at this glass. You you haven't set any of that up. Yeah, yeah. They don't know where they are. This is a brand new bloody building. Yeah, yeah. All very convenient, yes, boys. It's, it's very convenient. And uh, that scene, actually, just to go back to the Bond talk, mm-hmm. Bond is so unflappable in that scene that it kills any tension. Mm. Yeah. Where Carver is like, I'm about to write your obituary. You wrote my late wife's obituary when you got her involved in all this, blah, 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 blah. Mm. And it's just like they're threatening to torture him. Yeah. And they should, like, there's a difference between being stoic and strong and just being, like... Because you come across as stupid. Well, it just feels like a movie. Mm. Yeah. If you do shit like that. Mm. It's like, why do we care? And still, you know, there's all this gold in this film, such as the very Connery scene of, of him coming across Terry Hatcher's dead body and then seeing on the news that... That a a man was found with her right at the time that Kaufman comes in. You know, and it's like, that's so bombed. Yes. You know, and it it gets close to hitting that kind of golden stride that that the Bond films do hit in those moments. It gets really close to it. Less is more. Exactly. Because then when you do those one or two big, you know, maybe three big set pieces... Mm. They feel like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Whereas this film is just like, well, as soon as there's any trouble, <coughs> Bond will get his hand on a machine gun and he'll shoot his way out. It'll and that's fine. it. Yeah. Like, another example of, of that happening is when he breaks into Carver's place in Austria through the roof. How does yeah. he get to the roof of that building? Does he... Uh, Do we see that? Halo well, jump? Does he Maybe he does a halo jump. Is that the sequence... <sighs> yeah, we do see him get up on the roof. Isn't that... Um, what's his name? Thumper. No? Stumper. Stumper. Stomper. 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 
He sees Bond walking across the roof of the Atlantic Hotel, isn't it? No. Well, I'm in a different no, place. No, no, that's... Where's that? No. No, because it's when he comes back from that that he finds Paris dead. Hmm. I can't remember. Maybe it is shown in the in the film. It's, de- it's definitely shown. I remember him sort of sneaking through some industrial kind of scaffolding and tanks and stuff like that and finding the door. Because when he runs out oh, of it, he shoots right. back and, and kind yeah. of disables the door in it. Well, but, but I don't know how he gets up. When he gets out of that place, it's just bang, 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 shoot, 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 shoot. And it's not interesting in any way. It's um, just gunplay. Yes. Yeah, I... Yeah. The he gunplay became so tiresome and I don't classify them as stunts. No, oh, no, 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 you know, absolutely. Whereas not. normally I would consider some of the gun work, or a lot of the gun work in these other Bond films, as great stunt work. Well, that um, scene in another, in really any other Bond film, would be a stunt because it would kind of make more. You would see Bond be clever about the way he was dis- dispatching people. Mm. So, like, he's got all these balconies and whatnot, you know, throw them over that. The closest he gets is the, the fist fight atop the, um, the printing press, and he punt, knocks the guy out, throws him over, and the guy falls into the printing press, and all the papers turn red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got another great line, they'll print anything these days. When did that I happen? I think you went and got yourself a glass of water at oh, that point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. I yeah. thought my memory might have been or going. You were, right. you were getting yourself a nice little chunk of cheese. <laughs> Yeah, you weren't you were paying attention. Not remember I that do bit. vaguely remember you not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you um, go. But that's as close as it gets to being an interesting stunt. Yeah. Like he doesn't. They don't use the printing press in any way. The location that could be any fucking where. Yeah. You know what I mean. I think my uh, honourable mention stunt is the slide that he does under the closing garage door. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That felt that's real. A, yeah, well, yeah. that's the end of that sequence. That felt yeah, yeah, real. Yeah. Do it for real. Yeah. Yeah, that stunt man fucking... That would have hurt. He went for it. Yeah, it did look it. like it hurt, didn't it? But that's the stuff you want to see in these films. I know you don't want, want people getting people hurt. Get <laughs> <laughs> but you want, you want that you want kind of it. like... Holy oh, fuck. shit. Ooh. Yeah. Right, but when you just start pulling out machine guns and everyone's about as accurate as each other... Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. It's like... It's the Star Wars battle system. Uh, yes, I don't yes, like it. Yes. Well, you know, for a, for a secret spy... Surely your kind of um, rules of engagement would be limit the amount of uh, gun use, right? Particularly in, like, public places or, like, built-up areas. I mean, how loud is a goddamn gunshot? You can't just fire off a magazine full of, you know, bullets in the middle of London or the, you know... You this don't is want a major metropolitan. This is cloak and dagger. Yeah. Like yeah. one, you don't want a bullet going through some steel door and out into a street. Mm. But you don't want to be bringing attention to yourself. No. God like no. surely you're going to opt for. You don't want witnesses. The... Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So when you drive a car off a car park and into a and car rental, rental store in the main street of a it's a massive city choice to make that. It's not. I don't think. An MI6 agent would ever make. No. No, that that moment is so like it just feels like they wanted to do the stunt yeah. of having a car fly off the thing. Yeah. And it's like Which I think this film 
falls victim to on multiple occasions. Yeah. It's this whole idea of being oversaturated. Yeah, and it, it, like uh, just right now, I'm just thinking of a much better way to still have that stunt, so have your cake and eat it too, mm-hmm. is that the remote control car is driving straight for it. That car, the car that is chasing is right behind. At the last minute, Bond remote controls it to and dodge the, out of the, the way. Bad guy and then goes the bad through. guy goes through it, lands in the Avis rental thing. Yeah. You know, you've still got the the bloody still joke. The big carb. And you've still yep. got your stunt. And it's a good way to dispatch those henchmen. Those yeah. henchmen. And Bond doesn't look like a bloody idiot. Yeah. No. Yeah. Also, he's walking up to the bloody thing after when the when the car goes through into the Avis window and all the mm. crowds around. He's kind of walking past checking out the damage. Get the fuck out of there. Are you insane? Mm. There's an extended deleted scene of that where he walks up and he's like, Oh, and he hands one of the Avis girls the re- the rental receipt, and it's like, oh, thank no, God they no, cut no, that. No. Where did he get that from? Well, Q, because Q yeah. is actually giving him like so the He's whole an Avis the worker. whole setup is that he Q works, works for like Avis. Avis. Jake just rolled his I'm eyes. Rolling everybody. my eyes. <laughs> you mentioned another deleted scene, Brandon, when Elliot takes a knife. To oh the yes, neck of a henchman. yeah. So the reason that the henchman is called Stumper is cut from the fucking film, which makes no sense to me. Uh, it's the scene where the guy is, like, falling asleep at his desk. Yes. And Elliot C- Carver comes up to him and he's like, you know, what do I pay you for? Look, Wei Lin, if she's here, Bond's here. And then it cuts. Yeah. Well, it was then meant to go, he turns to Stamper and says, deal with this. And Stamper takes the guy, throws him on the floor... And stamps his face off. Like, oh my god. Sta- you don't see it, but he like stamps him to death, stomps him to death or whatever. Mm. Um, and so that's meant to be like his henchman's gimmick is that he's like got it's brutal, brutal strong legs. And so at the end, when the missile falls and on locks his foot. his foot in place makes a bit more sense it's a bit ironic ah. but that means nothing to us in this version of the film mm. the same thing actually happened too with um, Ricky Jay's character of Gupta the the big uh, IT guy the big, oh, the big oh yeah, yeah. I liked him uh, so do I mm. he's so underutilised in the film though mm. he in real life is a, an amazing card he's a magician right and he does these extraordinary card tricks he can like cut books in half by throwing cards and so his gimmick in the film was meant to be that he could take an ordinary playing card and kill someone with it which is something that can be done if you can these guys are able to throw these cards in a way that they actually become quite dangerous it's like a blade wow. um, cutting through and so his thing was that he would throw cards and they they cut it from the film why god knows Maybe they thought that was too silly. He doesn't really have a kind of denouement or kind of... What no. happens to him in the no. end? He gets shot by Elliot Carter. Elliot shoots it, him. You've outlived your contract or whatever. Oh, that's no. right. Yeah. Also, why would he be so stupid as to say, yeah, all you got to do is press the button. Negotiate! <laughs> <laughs> your life's on the line there. Say, no, 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 I need to do some more, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, preserve yourself. Come on. Lie, bluff, Jesus Christ. You know the kind of people you're dealing with. Yeah. Um, you weren't a fan of that BMW, were you? 
No, no. not at all. Our not only a, vehicle. Of not as a timeless, too. except the DB5. Yeah, but that not really. Count. Yeah, not as a timeless Bond vehicle. I don't like these vehicles that are too off their time. <sighs> it just feels like mm. anyone. What about could the get Lotus Esprit? You like that? That's got a timeless quality. Do I would think, argue absolutely. I think it's very seventies. Yeah, maybe I, it's come around again. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Darby's biased because he loves that style of car. It's true. Oh, right. um, I, get I think it definitely <laughs> looks like a seventies car, but for me, it doesn't feel like every man can get his hands on a Lotus Esprit. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it oh, does so you're feel an like... elitist. <laughs> now, 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 now. I get it. You're part of that fake news media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just Bond shouldn't be driving. Uh, BMW sedan. No, it's like any any office worker, any guy in the city can get his hands on a car like that. Yeah. Which is the purpose of it, right? I think and that's, just that, that's what hurts me. Yeah, it's it's product placement. It's pro- yeah. beyond belief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, I it's one of the product placements that I can justify the most because it's like, well, if he's meant to be blending in as just being another banker, he would Probably. have a BMW. Yep. Mm-hmm. But then he needs to be seen in the narrative to be driving yeah, the car. Yeah, but they don't do that. They no. they don't give that enough no, thought that's in right. this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, look, I, we should give him... A, a, well, no, we shouldn't, but I'll give them a little bit of slack. Um, this one, this film, they were under an extraordinary time pressure right. um, to, to shoot this one. GoldenEye comes out very end of uh, 1995... And then the studio, MGM, says, all right, the next one, start production immediately. Because it was such a big success. And they said, you have to have it out by this date in 1997. Wow. uh, Because that is when our next shareholders or stakeholders or whatever meeting is happening. And this will be a big one for us. It'll help drive up the price, blah, blah, blah. Michael G. Wilson said that they were... Uh, well, he said in, in interviews that they were really under the pump with this. The script was constantly undergoing rewrites. For a long time there, it was um, the original story was about the transition of power between Hong Kong and China. This one that uh, they which trying is, to make. Yeah, which mm. was going to be the third Dalton, Dalton film mm. as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, but because the film was coming out in 97, the end of 97, it would already be like six or nine months old, that news... And so they were like, well, it's not going to be timely anymore by the time the film comes out. Mm. So then they're rewriting to be like, okay, so how do we still keep those kind of locations and fit a story around that kind of thing? And Bruce Feirstein, um, or Feirstein, I'm not sure how you say it, actually. He came to the, to the producers and said his pitch for this was, words are the new weapons, satellites, the artillery. And they went, ah, okay. Yep, got it. Write that film. Mm. Because they're, they're struggling to be like, what do we do post-Cold War now? Um, and that line is even in the film. Elliot Carver says, says that. Yeah. Um, I like that. Y- yeah, yeah, it's good. yeah, it's great. It's smart thinking. But I think there were, there were quite a lot of rewrites right. uh, on this. One of the rewrites was by uh, Nicholas Myers, who wrote um, Star Trek Two. Oh. at least and was on uh, the trial of on cinema at the cinema oh. <laughs> but he was brought in as one of the oh, <laughs> oh yes <laughs> yeah. um, he was brought in as one of the guys to do rewrites but I think the script uh, then went on to subsequent rewrites after that um, so how much of his stuff is in it I'm sure. not sure but it, the, it's mainly credited to 
Bruce uh, Fierstein. It was yeah. Apparently they they finished the shooting of the film only a couple of weeks before the premiere. Oh. What? What? The, so that wow. A couple of weeks before they got the last bit of footage so they were editing the while they were shooting they were yeah and, and they mm. got the edit and everything done in a pretty quick turnaround um, because they were rushing to get to this this um, date this deadline of what, what was it the premiere was on the 9th of December was it a successful film yeah very successful yeah mm. it wasn't as successful as GoldenEye GoldenEye made about 350 million yeah this made 333 okay that's pretty good still it's the only one of the Brosnan films not to debut at number one in its opening weekend mm. Mm. can you think why that might be 97 Titanic Titanic it opened mm. the exact same day Ooh. as Titanic wow and still made still made 333 good... million yeah. wow you wonder how it would have done if it hadn't had that competition. Maybe four hundred and fifty-five. Could have been, yeah. Maybe because the Brosnan train was was going. Mm. The merch on this film was insane. Yeah, they, yeah. they were they were bubblegum packets, ice creams, chip packets, yeah. lotto tickets. Like everything was Tomorrow <laughs> Never Dies branded, and it all had the 007 logo. And Brosnan's face on it. He was the man he of the moves. moment. He was huge. He was mm. huge. Because he was seen as the guy who'd single-handedly saved the franchise. He brought it back from the dead. Because Goldeneye was brilliant. Wow. Ah, the prodigal son. Martin Campbell. Yeah, Martin Campbell, I think. There. Although, look, mm. Brosnan in Goldeneye is brilliant. Mm. Because He's of brilliant. Martin Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> um, Martin Campbell's controlling. We, we've kind of talked about the sets. We have. We have. Yeah. We like the, the, the look, stealth boat. What I will say, yeah, there's a good classical feeling to these sets. Yeah. And mm. also some real fucking 90s tackiness. Like yeah. the Austrian place where they do the launch and all the screens are in the background. And the, his big face is behind him. We're a bad choice. Well, and but, just mm. the logo of the Carver Media Group Network. I know that really in the colourful. 90s... Wasn't I know. It? And mm. in the 90s, that's what... Logos were like, yeah. looked shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, debatable. Oh, th- I'm a lot of them look pretty fucking shit. Um, particularly for telco companies back in those days. Like if you had anything to do with the internet, I quite like around that. Time. That's just me. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't like it at all. They feel like they're made for. I kids. love that logo. Oh yeah, I like that touch. Uh, I hate it. I hate that it. colourful candy coloured sort oh, of logo. I can't stand it. Three D kind of. Yeah, no, not for me. <laughs> he not did love me. himself though, didn't he? Big posters of himself yeah, on the side did. of his yeah. skyscrapers. Well, and, let's and talk about him. Let's talk about. Might him. as well. Yeah, He's the man pretty. of the hour. Yeah, uh, Elliot Carver, played by Jonathan Price. Yeah, Jonathan Price. Yes. Who wants to go first on Mr. Jonathan Price? I'll have a go. Yep. Camp. Um, Excuse me. But a good kind of camp, I How think. How dare you? How <laughs> no, dare no, you? No, 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 I think he... I mean, it was definitely a bit of a shock when he first turned up. He was very... Big. Very big. I love his... Um, <laughs> I love his... Uh, keyboard. Keyboard. <laughs> his keyboard. Quick type. His keyboard acting. Quick type. Speed type. Oh, wow. thousand words a minute. <laughs> Um, in one hand, it, with, yeah, one with hand. one hand, holding yeah, it with yeah. one hand. Very, very impressive. What kind of very impressive yeah, work? Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah. Look, not my favourite, but um. 
I don't know. Well, there was a point there where I think it might have been you, Dubs, that said, "Oh, he's taken a bit of a back seat, hasn't he?" Mm. And then we finally cut back to him for that final kind of climactic sequence on, on the, the stealth ship, boat. Yeah. I think you know if I'm being honest with myself, mm-hmm. he becomes he comes pretty close to becoming an all-time fantastic Bond villain. Villain in my eyes, really. He nearly gets into the conversation. I don't think he's quite mm. there, but I some strange choices yeah. in it. Some strange choices in it, but oh, yeah. I really like that he picked a direction and kind of went for it. Yeah. He certainly goes for it. Well, um, yeah, absolutely. I think you got to give him that. And, and I don't. I think it's an interesting villain. I think it's an interesting villain. It's got a Bond villain quality to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's maybe a little bit too aware of itself as mm, as, yeah. as a villain. Maybe, so. maybe a just bit. touches a little bit too close to being self-aware. Mm. But yeah, not top-tier villain. But he's not the worst I've seen. I think he's all right. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's he's knowingly eccentric. Mm. I think which is um, I give it a pass because I just have fun when I he's not a top tier villain he's for not. me either but no. I have a lot of fun close. when he's on screen yeah, yeah. and yeah. the film the film gets a lot of needed energy from him mm. yeah you're right that physicality is refreshing when yes. you see it's like oh god somebody I like his or it's something too. different yeah 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 mm. oh his death is brutal Ooh, death's yeah. a, one of, probably up there as being a pretty great Bond villain death yeah mm. it's Bloody great. Although I don't understand the one-liner. What was it again? You forgot the first rule of mass media, Oh, Elliot. I don't mind that. Give, Give the, the people, people what they want. Yeah, it's a bit of bit knowing to the audience, a bit fourth wall. Because the, the people, the audience, want Is the Bond villain dead. Is that the first dead. rule of mass media? Give the people what they want? I guess I maybe it is. I don't know what the rules of mass media yeah, are. I'm not I too familiar with the rule book. Are. Yeah, yeah six or ten? seven. Could be six or seven. Yeah, maybe. But apparently that's the first. That's the first one. No, it's a good. It's a good death. The the fear in his eyes when he's about to die is, is very sickening. Uh, very upsetting. <laughs> but it's hubris, isn't it? Oh, it's hubris oh, yes. is the thing you created that kills you. True. True. Yeah, yeah that's. I think this is what I'm. The, the appeal of this villain is this mm. sort of irony kind yeah. of. There's always that sense of irony. Yeah, yeah. Their demise. But it's clear in this case. Yeah, Mm. yeah. He's not the kind of Bond that's going to fight you hand to hand. No. Mm. He's not the kind of... Which is why I think he's... Not to compare him, but he's... He errs on on the more of a Blofeld type villain as opposed to a, say... uh, 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 Sanchez. Yeah, he's more Uh, of a Blofeld. You know, if you Mm. meet him in a dark alley, he's, he's not necessarily... You know the be all and end all. Kind of push him fist, away. Fist cuffs, well, like Stromberg as well. Mm. Yes, sat, yeah. Sat behind ex- a desk with a very long gun. That's right. Yeah, it's interesting. Right. I mean, we said it during the screening. This sort of echo of um, of the spy who loved. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Mm. With the ships and the subs and, and the style the big, of villain, the big and ship. The, yeah. And the, yeah. Mm. Yeah, there's a, a couple of little love nods there, and the big yeah. explosive kind of shooty finale. Yes. Explosions. Yes, except it's, it's funny. Not- the difference for me is, and we talked about it in the last episode. You know, the spy who loved me goes from set piece to set piece to set piece, but big moment to big moment to big moment, and yet we don't feel oversaturated, mm. overstimulated. I think everything's earned. Everything's building so nicely, and yet with this, it just feels like 
too much. It's too much because there's no time to breathe. And no time to breathe. Yeah. Mm. Mm. There's just no time to breathe. breathe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Anything else that needs to be said about it? What do you I think? Kinda, what do you think, Brandon? I don't think so. It's summed up pretty easily. Yeah. Mm. It was meant to be Anthony Hopkins. Right. And uh, the rumour goes that Anthony Hopkins was on set for about three days and then pulled out. Really? Yeah. But maybe that's a, an apocryphal tale. Maybe he'd already pulled out before shooting started. But uh, Anthony Hopkins, yeah, uh, Anthony Hopkins had been fact check it if you like. It's uh, full I, of the big words today. No, I, I love it. What does it mean? Uh, it, it's a, a tale that's not really true, but has ah, kind of become like a, a bit, ah. a bit like become mm. assumed knowledge, but it's it's not mm. true. I think that's the definition of it. I could be wrong. We'll I could be out, using the word incorrectly. We'll, we'll see in the, the fact check for whatever the next episode is. <laughs> I think he carries with him a certain level of madness that's that's quite fitting for a Bond villain. I think that sporadic kind of energy is, is a little bit mad. Yes, and I feel like an actor of Jonathan Price's calibre uh, walks onto a set reads a script and goes oh you're making that kind of film mm-hmm. yeah alright alright here you go <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what he's done here yeah. he's walked onto set and looked at everything and gone well this isn't serious yeah <laughs> like look at that Vietnamese office I'd be curious to know what his first day on set was yeah because I feel like that would have set the tone quite you know quite a bit yeah but yeah the, the lines that he's given I mean no I, the way he says delicious, I'm like, oh, good for you. Yeah. yeah, he pulls it good off. Good for you, because that's... So you can tell it's his choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he owns well. it. No yeah. one else would be able to say that as well. Delicious. It's like, mm, yeah, yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. I think he's a good villain. Yeah. It, funnily enough, mm. I think I like the villains in this movie well, more than I like our heroes. Yeah. Can I say that the moments where they have the the kind of movie to themselves some of the highlights of the film absolutely yeah. mm. Stamper doing the whole uh, Stamper's fantastic oh, henchman great, great he's top tier henchman I'm going to say it oh maybe, really maybe a little bit underused but in terms of what he's bringing to the table in terms of his characterization, his stature his look he's a Bond henchman mm. he's, he's very a- of that Necros uh, yeah Red Grant type he yeah. is but he's also unique yeah. yeah, I just wish they hadn't cut the stamping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, to it, lose it's that like thing. that's give him that. That's great. Him. Give him that. He's yeah. worthy of it. Yeah. He's earned it. Because I love him when they're infiltrating the HMS Devonshire with the uh, the aqua drill, mm. and it starts going up through the the um, through the levels, and he's going. Now they're wondering why the bomb hasn't exploded. Mm. It's this great little moment of like, ooh, yes, yes, yeah. they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're so on board. Gupta as well. I mean, yeah. he, he's charming in his own way. He's a good Again, is, is he a henchman? He denied this card idea. He, is he a henchman or is he more he's of a... He's still a henchman because I think he, mm. without him... I mean, in the same way Boris Grishenko is a, yes. a henchman. He's you know very Boris. Mean? Yeah, very, mm. you know, techie. He's he had a real presence. Keyboard warrior. He had a real presence presence yeah. that, that character all the villains do it's, yeah. it's they're pretty damn bloody great they are they really are I, I also think that Terry Hatcher is quite good in this mm. I agree mm. um, she gets a lot of flack really? for this why 
Well, because, because most casting. people go, yeah, it's oh, it's Terry Hatcher because from, of Superman from Lois and Superman and yeah. or whatever it was called, Lois and Clark, Clark Kent and, and Desperate Housewives. They go, oh, yeah, well, she's a bit of a, mm. she's a lightweight. No, not not on your life is she. I think she's no Desperate Housewives at this point. Not yet. Not yet. But I think that's the in hindsight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. back and, yeah. and they lump her in with um, with the casting of Denise Richards. Yes, uh, sure. They kind of go, well, that's real, you know. They go Terry Archer, Denise Richards, Halle Berry. You know, that's the Brosnan era casting playbook. Mm. They did it right in Goldeneye. Yeah, they really did. But yeah. I think she's fantastic in this. You know, I was really excited to see where that relationship was going to go. Yeah. You know, I think establishing this kind of past love, especially in the shadow of Tracy, of yes. like exploring that idea of a past love coming back into his life. I don't know. I I, I really think that there was some real there was some real gold to mine there, and then killing her off, killing off his love again. I mean, it can be a tad repetitive, but I don't well, know. It, it was just there's something such great to potential. Of, of keeping her, and I touched on this earlier, of keeping her for longer in the film as a mole within Carver's organization. Yeah. And Bond not knowing whether or not he can fully trust her. Mm. Yeah. And then you can still have her die at the end because Carver un- re- realizes her betrayal. Yes. And that's what kicks off our third act. Yeah. And the third act becomes not only about the mission, but I'm going to kill. Bond makes it his personal mission to kill Elliot Carver. It's the two girl trick. It yes. stuffs him up. Yeah. It's still him up going completely. in 1997. <laughs> You can still have that Wei Lin character. Don't have a romantic. No, and keep her as a Chinese agent. And don't have her as the primary Bond girl. Mm. It, it d- d- just doesn't... I don't know. Look, don't hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, we can it look is. at a completed sure. film and go, well, you should have done this. Yeah. Like, they were acting under the pump and blah, yeah. blah, blah. But, but the budget of this was $110 million. And the budget of GoldenEye was, I believe, 58 Whoa. Bloody and a, hell. The, the budget on this skyrocketed. Because they were rushing mm. to get things done, get done. So missing to, things. They had to yeah. chuck money at it. Mm. You know, chuck money at it to build more the sets quicker. Chuck mm. money at it to get oh. you know explosions and blah 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 blah. It was. It, it's got a similar production story to um, to Quantum of Solace. Mm-hmm. In that it was like get it out, immediate quick, success, capture that success again. Yeah, more of the same, but really different. Mm. You know, try and get that old it's bond. This impossible again. question, this impossible yeah. mission that they pose, and it it's seems like, let to it be, be its own thing. Let yeah. it take its the time that it needs. It seems yeah. to be for everyone but Connery that their second film is usually a bit of a oh. yeah. Wei Lin. Now, Darby, you you're not a fan. Why is that? Overall, overall, I'm right. not a fan. Just that classic sort of I wouldn't say emotionlessness because mm. there is emotion there. Mm-hmm. Um, she feels a bit wooden. She feels a bit wooden. Yeah, it's the classic problem. Do you agree? Yeah, I'd agree. Impressive action you concur? heroine. I concur. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, of all of the female agents we've seen so far, I would argue that she's the most capable. I think, or the most believable as an agent. Yeah. Largely because of her incredible physicality. Yes. Mm. I think. I don't think she's much of a character, though. She's not. No. 
no, you don't really know anything about it, learn anything about it. It's like she's just this she's weird, a weird adversary kind of, kind of mannequin that's sort of being yeah, moved, she's around. moved around. She's good at yeah. fights. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Why Which is does why she, she run should down be that a smaller character? Why mm. does she run down that wall? That beam, that steel beam with the mm. cable. And I think we're meant to be like, <laughs> oh, she's cleverer than Bond. <laughs> but no, she's that's dumb. That All they dead. have to do is look up and she's a... She's going to die. Look, there's a woman running down there's the wall. Red, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, why does he have to wash her hair so awkwardly in that shower? What's he doing? Oh, yes. Oh, I hated that scene. I love the fact that she handcuffed him and said, no, screw you, it's not going to happen, I'm walking off. Yeah. Like, I'm glad that that happened. But, what? It's so weird. It just adds to that weird, pierce, awkward physicality when he's with women. It's like, what's the, what are you, what's the soap doing in the back of your hand and the back of her head? And it's like, thanks for washing my hair? No. <laughs> it's like... It's, no. The awkward. Yeah, it feels like they're trying to do a little bit of that... Um, using Bond as a, a bit of a teaching tool like they do a bit in GoldenEye there's a bit of a feminist um, thing there being like you know sexist misogynist so he gets the dressing down mm-hmm. and so I think they kind of put him in scenarios to make him actually a little bit forceful and creepy so that then you can have that moment where she handcuffs mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. the strange thing to do with your pride and joy is what I will say. Well, you lead character too. You lead character, yeah. I get that he Evolve your character, evolve his views. Yeah. Don't kind of... Keep him stuck, keep him stuck. and static. Yeah, and it's the wrong moral thing lessons. to do. Yes. Our MI6 regulars are barely in this. Barely. Barely. Um, but barely. I think they do a fine job. Yes, of the moments we get, Judy, I really love seeing... Is Judy Q. Dench in the one outfit? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She shot her had stuff a, in a couple of days. Day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Day player of the week. Day yeah. player of the week. <laughs> Judy Dench. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, Judy Dench is always great. Uh, Samantha Bond does a really fine job as yeah. Money Penny again. Yeah. Yep. Desmond Llewellyn, perfect. Great. Look, more, looking uh, tired. Very, very old. He's old. He's yeah. only got one more in him. After yeah. This. He's looking a bit tired. Yeah. He's an old man. But lovely to see him. Beautiful. Probably my favourite scene in the film, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Scene. yeah. I just like the way he he successfully dresses down Bond. He does. Yeah. Grow up. Double O's. Seven. Seven <laughs> Every time he says it, it works. It works. Oh, I love it. You just look at him and you go, you're fed up. <laughs> you're yeah. fed up go with, this, with this brash wanker. I, like when Bond <laughs> grabs the remote control. And I think it's meant to be that it's like cool that Bond gets the remote control and like instantly drives I the car. I a big sigh. I wanted to yell out, wanker. Yeah, yeah I think <laughs> I did that. <laughs> what a douchebag. He yeah. is a douche. Because it's so, it's like this charming little moment where Q is like, oh, it's surprisingly difficult. And <laughs> yeah, like he yeah. really backs that thing up into the fucking <laughs> thing. But with practice, you'll get it. Like, <laughs> yeah. poor Q. And then Bond's just like, yeah, fuck you, old man. <laughs> <laughs> he is, and it's the problem with Pierce. Yeah. You know, it's another arrogance another issue I have with Pierce. It's like, position your arrogance a little bit. Yeah. Well, teach, teach Q a playful lesson here. Yeah. Get a one-up on yeah. him, mano a mano. Yeah, not, exactly. Not as a... cheek, not like... Yeah, fuck you. Exactly, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, which is Les Pierce's fault. I'm, I'm because I'm so loath to jump on him too much. But no, I'll do it. I think it's that's the writing again and the direction a bit. Yeah. Mm. Um, outfit, outfit of the week. Outfit of the week. Yeah, we're into our awards. Our awards segment. Segment. Mm. Outfit of the week. Outfit of the week. Well, look, I always love seeing Commander Bond. Yes. I will say this. I think Roger does a better Commander Bond. Yeah, me too. Mm. Me too. I think so. I think Sean does a better Commander Bond. I think Sean does the best Commander Bond. Ooh, yeah, I don't know yeah. if I agree with that, but I'll, 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 <laughs> I think poor old Brozzy doesn't quite pull off the old Commander Bond. The hat looked awkward. It did. Maybe it was a bit too small and his kind of puffy hair his sticking too out coiffed. there. He looked more like a pilot. Oh, really? He did a bit, actually. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, right. you're right. Dishonourable mention to the blue shirt in oh, Vietnam. Baggy blue shirt. Dis- yeah. I'm with you. Honourable. I'm with you. Yeah. That is my least favourite. That's the binnet of the week. Yeah, yeah. Put that thing and in, burn the, it. in the bin. Best outfit. Jeez, I tell you what. You know what? I always think that Pierce is the most stylish Bond, um, but I think that's changing with everything else, to be honest. Um, it's been a tough day for you, hasn't it? It has been a tough day. There's been a lot of big changes. Um, look, he always looks good in a tux. Uh, when, when, we, when he first meets Elliot, I think that's a pretty... It's a pretty stylish thing. You know what? Actually, Why I, don't you I just re- name them all, mate. Look, I reckon. I reckon my favourite one. It's the one that's coming to mind at the moment. So okay, I'll just say, let's say it. it. <laughs> uh, when he's when he's waiting, when he's having the Doctor No moment in his hotel in his room, hotel room with, with the, the rolled up, with the opened up shirt and the, and the the rolled up thing and the bow tie slinked down. Yeah, right. yeah. I think yeah, that's pretty cool. Sure. Okay. What's your favourite? Well, I did already mention I quite liked Tack Bond. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, parachute. Uh, Honourable mention for the uh, the kind of light chocolate brown... Uh, trench coat. Trench coat on top of the dark blue suit. That's my favourite. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, that's my favourite. Very nice. That's my um, I struggle to remember any others, mm. really, that yeah. stood out. Yeah. Um, His bow tie is very big. It's I a full butterfly. It's, it's, massive. it's a big one. It's massive. I love the costuming of the naval soldiers. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. Where, 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 where in, the yeah, in the Devonshire. The British, the British the naval white, The white pads on their headphones. Yeah. The white little cravatty type scarf yeah, I don't know things. whether they might have been balaclavas. So cool. I'm going to say it adorable. Yeah. Oh, um, oh. I want one. I could have stayed in that <laughs> film for a lot longer. I need to. That's what I keep thinking is that, yeah, that the periods of this film where the film is left alone to be a film, yeah. to exist as a kind of reality, a separate space where Bond isn't involved... <laughs> Um, stunning. Yeah, yeah I want to watch real people. Please tell me because we spoke briefly before. I think this is the right time oh, to talk yes, about it. Yes, I think it is. We, we spoke briefly. My binnet is also my my favorite outfit. Oh, is yeah, sorry, is chocolate sorry. overcoat, and my yeah. binnet is the that blue disgusting shirt. blue shirt. Yeah, yeah, that is way too big for any me. honorable mentions. Nah, nah, not yeah. really. Right, I don't so think the naval uniform looks too good up here. Roger mm. Spottiswood. Yes. What else has he done? Uh, a little film with Sylvester Stallone. And can't remember her name. Rocky Five. No, came out uh, before that, I think. Uh, a little Demolition action film Man. called Stop, or My, my Mum Will shoot. shoot. Oh my God! Anything else? 
Yes, I will. Pull, I'll pull up his uh, filmography. Let's have a look at you. Yeah. The dude's got talent. I see. Uh, the scene flashes of brilliance. Mr. Spottiswood. I mean, he had mm. a pretty damn good handle on some of these sequences. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, I want to know what it's else. It's a fairly bloody well-made uh, film for all for when all's said and done. Like, yeah. A lot of people give Spottiswood a bit of flack because they're like, oh, he's a bit of a bit of a gun for hire hack. And he kind of... They were like, oh, it's edited within a life of itself. I don't think that at all. No. I think the pacing's actually quite good. They, cut, the they cut between the mids film. and close-ups a bit too much. A bit too much, weird, yes. But, but, okay, so here we go. Uh, the Sixth Day. Turner and Hooch. Turner and Hooch. Uh, a street cat named Bob. Oh, I saw that. That was a pretty Stop good. or my mum will Ooh. shoot. Ooh. Under fire. Uh-huh. Uh, what else have we got here? Terror Train. Ooh. And the band played on. 48, 48 hours. hours. Wow, that's a good mm. film. Uh, what else? What else have we got that we would recognize? The Beach House, uh, 2018. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's this one? The Last Innocent Man. Looks good. Don't know mm. what it is. Uh, and the rest. Uh, yeah, okay. Interesting. Another 48 hours he did. Ooh. Which, um, yeah, Abby Murphy looks happy. Yeah, he does. To be there. Turner and Hooch, though. That's a, that's a yeah. interesting okay. one. I love it. And, movie. of course, Tomorrow Never Dies. Right. Mm. There you are. Well, yeah, I mean... Does that surprise you, that the guy who did that? <sighs> the Turner and Hooch does. Yes. But when you say something like... I haven't seen many... Sixth Day. Or... Yeah, The Sixth Day makes sense. I haven't seen many of them, I don't think. Yeah, The Sixth Day does make sense. That's a strange film upon rewatch. I remember yes, loving is. that back in the day. Mm. Um... Yeah, I'm at a weird kind of point with this because he seems to have a... Bond seems important to him, um, the history of it. Well, it seems I've to got have a story for you on that. Okay. He uh, was... He wanted to direct a Bond film with Dalton. Ah. He, um, after Licence to Kill, approached the producers and said, look, I would love to do Bolton's, Dalton's third Bolton's film. Dirt. Bolton's third film. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, he wanted to do Dalton's third, which, in a way, he kind, kind of has did. done. You did and watching it today. Yeah. I was like, "Fuck, great Dalton film." Dalton would nail the shit out of this. He would. It would be perfect. It's a, it's a, it's a fucking great film if you put Dalton in it. It is. It is. I don't think you can put any other of the Bond actors in it though. Mm-hmm. I think only Dalton. Only Dalton. Only Dalton. Only Dalton. It's getting late. Uh, it is. <laughs> uh, technically. Do you have anything to remark on? Oh, look, I, it, yeah, the, I'm just in this confused state of mind because of this excellent execution of so many ideas mm-hmm. of this great this great Bond DNA which runs through all these incredible directors, Guy Hamilton and Lewis Gilbert and John Glenn. They all share something, you know, that not a lot of the other... There's some directors that don't get that. Mm-hmm. And when you when I see it, I get really excited. Martin Campbell has it. Oh, yes. You know, it's... it's um, Something is je ne sais quoi, <laughs> and um, and it's there. But yeah, he it must have been the rush production. It must have been something didn't quite work with his yeah. work on the film. But the stuff that he does well is excellent. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm. It's David Arnold's first as uh-huh. well. How did you boys rate it? You know, a bit of a mixed bag. Yeah, it was a bit of a mixed I bag. I agree with that. Mm. It's not his strongest. No, no by no means. Good, is promising. Strongest. I actually Promising. think his his Craig works are where David Arnold really shines. Mm. I will say though, the track Backseat Driver 
um, when the gadget car is doing all its stuff in the car park. That is a fantastic track. And there's so much of Katie Lang's surrender woven through this score. And it's just so apparent that you're like, ah, you thought this was a... This was going to be a very different... uh, Everything about it was going to be different. The the song was going to be different. The script was going to be different, you know. Mm. Everything feels like it was really changed at the last minute constantly in this. Mm. And David Arnold's like, well... Tried to keep up. Sorry. I mean, he still works some of Sheryl Crow's Tomorrow Never Dies into the score, but it's mostly um, Surrender. Mm. Um, All right. Mr. Deck? Oh, no. Okay. Let us have it. (sighs) Let him have it. Look, I can't... I can't call this one, with all this in mind, I can't call this one bottom tier Bond. It okay. isn't. It isn't the worst of the worst. It, my general kind of feeling is that it's a. It's got so much promise. It's got a lot of positives. The big letdown is Bond himself, and unfortunately, when the big letdown is Bond, you lose a lot of marks. Um, mm, it's certainly. It's certainly not shaken. It's stirred for me. Um, it is a. It is. Is it's a stirred. It's a stirred three. Stirred three. It's a stirred wow. three. Wow! For me. Wow! Yeah. Goodness. That it's a stirred is, three. For uh, me. Too lower than you gave Octopussy. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd watch Octopussy before this. I would watch Octopussy right. before this. Yeah. It's amazing when you watch them. Mm. kind of out of sequence how you kind of go oh actually I could probably go back and watch that a bit now in yeah, hindsight now like, compared that's to that's not as bad as you know I just mm. I can't I, I'm sorry Mr. Pierce you were you will forever have a special place in my heart you know I saw my mum adore you I saw my <laughs> sisters adore you you are a symbol of what it means to be a sexy sexy man <laughs> <laughs> um, but you aren't my bond oh yeah. Wow! And this, this is the confirmation, Mr. Spear. Oh God! <laughs> oh, I think I'm gonna cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, folks. This it's been a hard day. It has, particularly this, for you. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've taken this a bit has of really a hit broken here. you. Um. Yeah, I think I agree with Darbs. It's certainly not the worst, but it's far from the greatest. Um, I think this film is oversaturated and really trying too hard in many, many different areas. Um and you're right I think the the biggest culprit unfortunately uh, is Bond himself I think he really lets this film down Um, overdone overdone too much just losing losing some of that Bond magic there is there are glimpses of a great film in in here in in this film but I I went in thinking that this was going to be a romp it's going to be a lot of fun your first mistake. Every time we've done that with one of these big films, <laughs> we've come out disappointed. Um, and yeah, I was I was disappointed. Um, 
nobody's going to give it. Mm. I've still got one more to go. Pierce. Yeah, yeah, you got one more Pierce to go. So, so he could be for me, 50-50. He could I be can't half say great, it half bad. It's not looking good. <laughs> <laughs> the feeling in your water. <laughs> it's not looking good. I thought I was going to have a lot more fun. I'm frustrated that I didn't. Commit to something. <laughs> it's stirred. Mm. Yeah. I was not thrilled. Mm. I need to be thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a stirred four. Ooh. Wow. Wow. That was a long oh. deliberation. It, it was. Hurt you. It hurt. It, t- it I was... hurt you. What did you want to give it? What did you? What did you? Well, to be will? honest, I think I knew that it was stirred for a long time. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I think it was to what degree I was really wrestling with. And I don't know, Dubs. I don't know what my octopusy score was, but I have a feeling. Dare I say it? I'd probably go back and watch that before I watch this. Well, I think the bigger question for me was... You gave Octopussy five. So you rated that. You both gave it five. I think the bigger question for me was, would I watch Diamonds before I watch this? Oh, God. I'd watch Diamonds before Octopussy. Me too. Yeah, I enjoy Diamonds. It's just that final, like, 30 minutes where I'm like... I would watch that in a heartbeat over this movie. And that's where I was like, well, this is a three. It's like, yeah. God. Look, for me... Here he goes. uh, It's stirred. There's no way I'm saying that it's shaken. No bloody way. But... I think it's shaken, again, if you put Mr. Dalton in it. Mm. Uh, I think if you treated it a bit more seriously uh, and you had a Bond that felt a little less self-aware, which is funny because Brosnan in all the interviews for this one was like, you know, the pressure's off. Um, The first one is terrifying, but the second one, he's like, I feel like I have more control. I'm not trying as hard in this one. I feel more like the character is kind of part of me now. Which goes to a theory I've had for a long time that I think actors do their best work when they're hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, which tends to be that, you know, people are always better when they're, they've got something to prove. There's pressure. Because they're working, they're working hard. Mm. Or harder, yeah. I guess. Mm. Um, look, there's enough in this film that I go, oh, that, could be, that could be a great Bond film. Uh, and it, it's, it's just shy of that for me um, would I watch this or Octopussy again I gotta tell you Octopussy left a bad taste in my mouth <laughs> yeah um, yeah Diamonds Are Forever I would watch that again in fact I kind of want to watch it again <laughs> so do I there's a weird campy draw <laughs> for, for me yeah. with that film I'm like yes <laughs> look into my veins <laughs> um, that's a four it's a four I wanted to give it a five Mm. Mm. I can't I can't it's not a five because that would mean that it's only just not stirred Mm. Uh, shaken sorry it would only just be stirred and and this this needs you know this is a watery martini for most of the way through it was a five for me yeah yeah me too and then it's just yeah yeah Yeah. me too Mm. The more we kind of talk about it, too, that's it's the constant thing of being Yeah, it is. Yep. Well, well, gentlemen, you know what time it is. Oh, it's Stetson oh, time. So we've only got... Oh. Well, that was our 13th film, we'll so there are seven, seven more double to go. Double O seven. Mm. All right, Mr. Spear. Oh, okie dokes. 
Uh, hand going in, tossing these seven films around. That's right, 007. Why don't you go next, man? Oh, oh, oh go on, go on, on then. Right. Now we get to do that. Uh, all right, I've got one. You want to hold that for me? Yes. Oh, yeah. well, I think I've ever held, held the Stetson before. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. Reveal in the order in which we drew, Mr. Spear. Well, gentlemen, I will have the answer to my question after we watch The World is Not Enough. enough. Quite possibly. Well, we could be taking a trip to Roger Moore land and testing the theory of whether or not the second Bond film really is the worst Mm. with the man with the The golden golden gun. gun. Well, I believe we will be taking a trop, trop. To Roger Moore's hometown. Oh. Uh, but I think we'll be doing it for far greater reasons. Because we'll be watching <gasps> for your eyes only. Yes! Oh. Alrighty, well. Jeez. Mr. Spear, pick a number. Oh, I would like, if I may, to have number five. Number five? I'll take number two. I'll take number three. I would like number one. Four. Six. One and five. Two and four. Two and six. One. It's another Brozzy. Oh. oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jake, you got your wish. I did. Oh, no. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen. God damn it, Jake. We'll be joining you next time for 1999's The World Is Not Enough. Isn't